going on, people? Welcome to another week. This is the Life Show. This is Jim Hogan. Got Mike Mauler on the line from sunny Las Vegas. <laughs> That's right, man. I was laughing. Our friend Ori Ortega in Panama was like, yeah, you guys should come down for this big event, you know, get some sun. I'm like, dude, sun. <laughs> like you live in Vegas. I live in Houston. I'm like, dude, somebody, we know the sun very well. Come sunny on, every day. The, the devil's my mayor, Panama. man. I know what. The, yeah, exactly. I got plenty of sun here. I'm good. <laughs> Even when it's cold, it's still sunny. Exactly. Like, dude, it's, it was yesterday. It was 82 degrees here. Okay. It's, it's first day of February yesterday. Like, come on, man. I'm good yesterday, with sun. Yesterday was cold here, man. It was cold and windy, and I, I well, it's coming here. And did, and did my sprints. And yeah. That, that was that was a gut check, man. My nose is running the whole time. You know? so, <laughs> the, the, the good thing is, though, is that when it's cold, you get it over with quickly. Exactly. You, you run faster. <laughs> There's no lollygagging. The <laughs> yeah, the walks back to the start are more jogs. You don't dick around, man. You, 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 just, you haul ass. Like, how fast can I get these 12 runs done today? Because <laughs> I want to get out of here. Yeah, man. Uh, man. Yeah, we have a great guest. We're going to get to him in a second. Just to mm-hmm. just wanted to give some shout outs to our VIPs. And VIPs are people that are actively supporting the show. They're going beyond just giving us reviews and retweeting, which is also important, but they're taking the next step and actually purchasing products using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements around. So we've got David Kinnebrew, James Page, George Ballion, Steve Martin. Could be the actor, maybe. It's a wild not. and crazy guy. Yeah. Andrew, Andres Ruzins. You see Steve all yoked out in the, his next movie or next event. You know why. He's taking on Carrot Top in Vegas now. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Hanna, David Bauman, Genghis Cohen. Now, that's a cool name. I okay, I thought you were going to say Genghis Khan. Khan. I was about to say, whoa. <laughs> Genghis Cohen. I was like, hey, man, Genghis Khan just bought my products. John Hayes, DeMont Brown, Mike Finn, and Steve Barr. You guys are awesome. You all are you're all using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best products around. And if you really want to go beyond that to support the show, buy stuff and don't use the coupon code. And I'll keep that extra 10%. Go have some fun with it. And anything exactly. going on over on yeah. Patreon or elsewhere? Well, also a new Warrior Training supporter. Uh, we got oh. Renee Kenner. You know, one thing about it, man, I, the cold weather must be really kicking in because these Sharia doors are getting out of here, man. Like every week it's starting, starting to sell more and more. And right now in production with some brand new Sharia doors, man, these things, oh, they're going to be badass, man. And this time around, it's going to be made right here in the USA. Right in USA from, I mean, great craftsmanship, man. You, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. That's in the works. That's almost that's almost ready to roll out. But thank you, Renee, for getting your tree adored. That's, like I said, they're rolling out more and more of those, man, and I'm loving it. And also, we want to talk about our VIPs over at Patreon as well, which is very important Patreon supporters. We could use that P in so many ways. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, first of all, you know, big shout out to Dr. Julio Garcia, who's a guest on the show, but also now is a monthly Patreon supporter. See, that's right. what I'm talking about right there, man. That's how you step it up. Also, to Mike Conley, Chris, Elvis Torres, Wayne Sanders, Prince Bell, Jan Kramer, Greg Moores, and also David Brower. These are just some of the current Patreon supporters that we have right now. The only one missing right now is you, right? the one that's listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> so head over to patreon.com slash podcast and become a monthly supporter of the show. Go over there, look in that box where it says that $1 right there. Put a zero behind that. Become a monthly supporter for the show that you love, man. And also keep sharing it with everyone out there. So, yeah, big shouts out also, to all those I mean, we have, we have Valentine's Day coming up, and some of you guys are thinking, do I need that estrogen blocker? And it's like, well, <laughs> should I get on Mike's EC? It's like, well, here's a couple if of things. If you got to ask the question. I mean, that oh, already yeah, answered the question. I to ask the question, but there's, there's, more, there's more alarming methods to, to know whether you need it. And one is, if your wife can motorboat you, <laughs> time to get <laughs> 
It's time to get on EC. If your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, hey, no judgment here, if they're thinking, man, if they're motorboarding you, that's not a good sign. <laughs> so that's a clear sign you have way too much conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Get an ASTB. It does have some blockage of conversion, but EC is the most pronounced estrogen blocker out there, so keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's do Been it, thinking man. about that joke old morning. <laughs> well played, Mueller. Well played. <laughs> One of those things you just had to get it out. All right. So we have a great guest today. We have Adam Blake, who's the bassist for the New York City hardcore band H2O. Fantastic band. They actually have a new record out, and it's called Use Your Voice. And some of the, some of my favorite songs on it are Thick and Thin, Use Your Voice, Still Dreaming. And they're actually going to be at the Punk Rock Bowling Festival in May in Vegas. So I can't wait for that. I'm nice. definitely going to check it out. Adam, how you doing today, man? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's cool, great man. to have you. Super stoked to be here. And there's awesome. so many interesting things to talk to you about. You're, you do a plant-based diet. You, uh, you are fit. Um, I, must, uh, I must confess that I recently stopped eating purely plant-based. Okay, you're eating human meat. <laughs> okay well we'll get into that too and then you're also an avid fitness person you do a lot of workouts and stay in shape so we're going to talk about all that but you brought up an interesting discussion point before we started recording and that's about phil anselmo and yeah, the, the, the uh, race the racist comments he made recently at an event so let's let's talk about that well i mean it, it's kind of one of those situations where you want to be able to separate the art from the artist i mean i like pantera right you know yeah. I mean? like but can I still listen to it the same way? You know, I mean, am I going to hear it now and it's just going to be tainted forever? I mean, it's 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 such a shitty situation. I mean, it's not surprising, though. I mean, the guy's kind of always presented himself as a redneck. You know right. What I mean? No doubt. That's right. kind of the it's like you guys are Judas <laughs> Priest fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so remember when Rob Halford came out the closet? Yeah, right. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it wasn't a shock. No, no. <laughs> All the, the black leather and spikes. Like that. It's like saying, "Hey, Freddie, did you know Freddie Mercury from Queen was gay?" I'm like, really? Hey, I kind of knew it was common, you know. And then uh, surprised if he wasn't. Right? Like, exactly, like George Michael. It's like oh, we weren't surprised. Come on. You know, I was a little surprised by George Michael, but I grew up really? in England. Really? Well, in, in England, everyone looks gay. <laughs> 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 but uh like phil's been kind of on this whole redneck kick you know waving the confederate flag and stuff so but see for me that, that i'm in texas so it's kind of like yeah <laughs> but then it just kind of come i guess it's when everybody starts sending me the link like what do you think about this i'm like mm, louisiana you know what i mean come on I, I don't know man it's just it it wasn't that shocking but it just it was very to me just kind of like just just with the entire legacy, like with Dimebag Girl, all those guys just kind of like, ah, uh, it kind of sucks, man. You know, for him to go ahead. Like we were talking about Rob Flynn's video yeah. Like, yeah. was such a perfect response to it, such a grown-up approach, you know? Yeah, yeah very much so. I mean, it, it's cool in a way that, that when someone says something like that, that it is major news, and a lot of people do kind of step back in horror, you know yeah. what I mean? I no. mean, it... It's just a word, but it's it, it it's just words, but it's kind of a shitty thing for someone to say. But right. you know, of course, there's always the argument. I've been seeing that too. It's it's been like hilarious watching some of the comments, man. And you have some people, well, you know, oh, that's supposed to be a problem. But then you got someone like Public Enemy, and they start talking about black power. Like, really? We're, we're we're reaching for that. And so it's been all this back and forth about that, man. And 
it just it's amazing because it really helps you kind of see just where a lot of people are. You know, a lot of people start coming out of the closet. I mean, in fact, this whole political year, you really this past the past 12 months, you really actually the last eight years, seven years with Obama being president, you really start to see people come out of the closet who they really are with their opinions. You know, yeah. they, they, and they're getting bolder and bolder now. It seems like with Trump, they're really feeling bold now. It's like, yeah, you know, and then they say like, well, you know, he's torn this country apart. You know, speaking of Obama, but this racism has been here. It's Start, it's what started this country. Don't, don't act like but this I mean, is all new. Like, like or hate Obama, no president has been more disrespected than this guy. You know, <laughs> right. doing, doing a State of the Union address and someone liar. Yells, liar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's never happened to any president <laughs> right. before. And there's there's clearly a racial component of that. <laughs> right. But this this whole thing with verbiage like black power. I mean, with black power, it's about empowering black people, not hating white people. Right. right. But yeah. when someone when someone puts out a swastika sign and says white power, that's not about empowering white <laughs> people. <laughs> I hear I hear you, but I see that swastika and I'm like, oh, you just yeah. I see what you mean. I I can truly see what you mean with that. <laughs> that's not that's not like a way to galvanize white people and say, hey, let's take charge of our lives and do and improve our communities and all that. That's right. more of a sign. That's more of a, a, it's, like the, a the hate is there. You know, exactly. there, there there it is when you when you hear that the hate is there for the most part, and when you hear black power, there's this lack of love, but we want to start. Start finding more love for yourselves. That's where that is going. It's not saying, hey, white power, start, let's just go out and start taking out everybody that's not black. <laughs> you know, and let's, let's just make it a solid black race. Like, no, that's not the same. So you're reaching for straws when you go there, people. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it, I mean, when, so, when someone says WP or, or wears a t shirt like that, like, I'm, I automatically kind of just think you're not my kind of guy. You're probably, <laughs> probably fairly lowbrow individual. You know, I haven't met too many smart white power people in my day. <laughs> tends, tends to attract a particular people. <laughs> A particular, you know, almost, a particular embreed of. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like that show, The Outsiders, on WGN, man. <laughs> now you should definitely check that out, man. People, people always try to bring up these double standard types yeah. conversations, though, right? Like with Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez, exactly. Ride. Yeah. And, and again, that's not that's not him saying, <laughs> "I hate white people." That's more having pride in his ethnicity. Right. It's just it's just the way it is. It's, it's, if if white power was never associated with hate and Hitler and all that, then it would be different. But it is. Right. So you're automatically going to get thrown in that bag. Yeah, and I think deservedly so too. I mean, right, right. Yeah. You know, like like uh, I'm I'm a white male. You know, like there's no door closed to me. I can get a taxi at five in the morning and hit <laughs> it. You know what I mean? And I'm not offended when I hear black power at all. I totally understand it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean. You're talking about cultures that have been, you know, they they they've definitely been held down. I mean, there's no offense or buts about it, you know. Right, right. And right. hopefully, hopefully, in you know, a couple of generations' time, that will be offensive because everyone will be living on a much more even playing field than they are now. Right. Yeah. Well, but, hopefully, uh, it'll be gone in a couple of generations. They won't even remember because it's to the point where. It's funny because I just posted a video. They were going out and asking these students at Texas Tech just these simple things like, you know, the like pretty much who won the Confederate, you know, who, who won the Civil War. And they didn't even know who's the vice president. All these if they're forgetting history like that. It's just a matter of time before you forget things like the civil rights movement and white power. It's, it's funny, like, who won the civil, or when was the civil war? And one of them said it was in the 1960s, right? Like, you idiot. That's the, that's the civil rights movement. That's, that's a different thing right there. But so if they're, if, if this generation is already forgetting little things like that and, you know, who, who the Americans fought in the Revolutionary War, if they're forgetting that now, it's just a matter of time when things like, you know, just Hitler and all those, they're going to be forgotten too and, and white power and racism 
Muslim and Ku Klux Klan and all this different stuff, man. So, so maybe there's maybe there's some good in them starting to forget things and not know certain yeah. things. Also, I mean, generally, whenever someone talks about the double standard, it's always someone who's never experienced racism. Yeah, that, and it's either so, that. So, so they don't get it. So they well, don't one of thing, it. one of two things. They're either they've never experienced it, or that whatever it is that that double standard is speaking to them. They're they're part of that double standard, and and they're trying to make an excuse for themselves. Like, well, come on, guys. I mean, let's just—it's not that bad. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's just a word. (laughs) I I do like seeing less and less people talk in terms of race, and what I mean by that is, like in Las Vegas, it's very metropolitan in terms of diversity. So you see a lot of Mm -hmm. interracial dating and things like that. Where people are not thinking, you're not looking twice when you see a you know a, a right, mixed like, couple. I'm an Asian guy, girl who not like black guys. No, she just likes that guy. She yeah, it's my exactly. She's not, she's not necessarily with him because he's a black guy. She just likes him for him, and yeah, vice exactly. versa. She's, she's he's not like he doesn't have like an Asian girl fetish necessarily. He just <laughs> likes this girl. Exactly. You know, that's just one example. So it's 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 less and less thinking in terms of okay, here's my I'm I'm from this race, so I have to think this way. Exactly. It's definitely becoming a more progressive society. I mean, you guys, you guys are the wrong side of forty, I assume. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember when I was like, there were comedy shows that nowadays were just straight racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And like that kind of thing wouldn't fly anymore. So I definitely think we're moving in the right direction. We're not at our destination yet, but I'm positive that we'll get there. You know. Right. Yeah, I, remember, I, mean, I remember MASH, my favorite. Uh, MASH is kind of a drama comedy. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I remember there was a character, a black guy, a doctor, in the first couple seasons. I, I forgot and, about and, it. I was like, wait a minute, there was a black guy in the nick- show. Every, yeah, everyone nicknamed him Spear Chucker. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, what? What are they just calling But come on, this is also the era that also gave us Archie Bunker, too. You know? But, you know, the good thing about that is it spun off the Jefferson. So it's kind of like it was like a tit for tat right there. It's just like, <laughs> and it was very acceptable. <laughs> That's their way of just coming full circles. Like, okay, exactly. We're, we're going to get rid of all this negative press real fast. Exactly. Like, <laughs> look at this. He's he's a bigot. You know, Archie. So, then, yeah. then there were shows like Good Times where it's like, okay, people are in their projects and they're all happy. Right? It was like this guy. No, no. I'll do you one better, Mike. There are people in the projects Chicago, of Chicago, of all places, who yeah. never locked their doors. Yeah, yeah right. Every episode, <laughs> somebody just walked into the Evans house. I'm like, really? Have you ever been to Chicago? <laughs> Would you do that? Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very unrealistic. No, no, but, you... but you're right. Yeah, television. I mean, first of all, television just in general is way better now than it ever has been. I mean, there's so many different good shows. There's better shows than there are movies. Yeah, oh, I exactly. Just, I was just in in Europe for two and a half weeks on tour. I made it through four seasons of The Wire. Mm. Oh, my that's a great show. God, what a show! Yeah, yeah. that's a great show. <laughs> Idris Elba it was yes. incredible in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just got double Golden Globes, didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. a great actor. Yeah. Well oh, deserved. yeah, Beast of No Nation, man. Yeah, if, if anyone hasn't checked that out on Netflix, definitely go watch that, man. That's, I mean, stellar performance by him. So it's kind of what started this whole little thing about the Oscars and, and the Oscars so white and all that, that little hashtag and all that, which I don't know. That right there is kind of a – it was a mixed thing when it was started by Will Smith and his wife. It's kind of because, you know, there was no nomination. Basically, he didn't get nominated for concussion. Okay, first one is the comments on that was hilarious because they were like, wait, did you listen to that accent that you had, dude? It was kind of all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst Nigerian accent ever. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe it just wasn't a good performance. Exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like racial. That. It just wasn't any good. And, but he tried to flip it. He's like, you know, there's no representation. There were no nominees. This is the second year in a row there were nominees that were black. I'm just like, Okay, well, that kind of just hits me in a different way. Like, okay, why do you need – this goes with anyone, any award show. 
Why do you need this acceptance when you're already, dude, you're one of the top paid actors in the freaking world? So why does it have to be forced? You know, why does there have to be a black nominee? Why do you need maybe, the acceptance? Maybe there just wasn't a good performance that year. Maybe exactly. some years there are, some years there aren't, right? Why does it, so, I mean, if there, if there isn't a white nominee, then, then that's going to be a problem, too. It's like, well, come on. Again, my thing is, dude, you're getting you're getting paid, you're getting roles, and at the same time, it's a double standard with them as well. But like, how many how many jobs out there are when you and your wife have your production company? How many new up and coming black actors who are fr- probably freaking talented as all get out, get a chance to be a part of any of your projects? Okay, so my thing is, you got to walk the walk and talk the talk, and and then don't try to flip it and try to make it a very political thing just because it was really a personal thing, and right. you know try to take the heat off yourself. So my thing yeah. is, own it. And my thing is, again, why do you need to have? Why do you need to be accepted? And be reward? You know, like, oh, you know, why does it have to be like this freaking popularity contest? Right. You know, when you're already successful, go out and do. First of all, it goes to show me you're not busy doing enough good stuff on your own. <laughs> Why are you worrying about this? Why do you care? <laughs> you know, so it's just like us trying to go out and get a podcast award every year. I'm like, I'm too busy trying to produce a good show here with Mike to be worrying about getting a podcast award. What does what does that do for us if we get one? <laughs> you know. So it's, yeah. uh, it's kind of strange to do talent competitions anyway, which ultimately is what the Oscars are. The exactly. Are. Sure. I mean, it's so subjective, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yes. like how do you define this guy's performance is better than that, than that guy? guy? Exactly. And when it comes to critics, I'm not a big fan anyway. Oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's just kind of like those those pundits on ESPN the week after, you know, the day after a game or the guys who sit around on like the MMA shows and want to talk yeah. about a UFC fight that they have like, you've probably never been punched in the face a day <laughs> in your life, but you got a criticism about this fighter and why his performance was not up to par the night before. Like, really? I, Come I, 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 I was uh, I commentary any day. Yeah, <laughs> I was at I, I went over to the M Casino to watch the UFC this past weekend. Right. And I just caught the very end of the Bader Johnson fight. I yeah. Went there and, and I just saw Bader get knocked out the second I walked in. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just watching the recap and there's a guy there who's Mr. Know-it-all talking about the fights. Mm-hmm. And then Anderson's Anderson Silva's name comes up on the screen for some reason. I forget why. Maybe it was most consistent knockouts. Or yeah, most consistent it was. Knockouts. Yeah. Okay, so so this guy's like, oh man, if if Anderson Silva ever fights Johnson, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet a gazillion dollars on Silva. That guy is badass, man. I was like, yeah, he was. He <laughs> I'm like, okay, so like, is this guy? Wife. Did he just get out of prison? Did he just yeah, get exactly. out? I mean, because this was. <laughs> I was like, is this four years ago? Is this 2016 or 2012? Did I just go in a time loop here? Because yeah, at one time I probably would have agreed with you, but now he's going to get destroyed. First of all, they're in different weight classes. Right. No, yeah, Silva can fight at 205, but there's no reason why those two would ever fight. And if they did, I don't see Silver doing it that well against that caliber no. fighter anymore. You know, not now. Yeah, not at this Bad point. Matchup. Not not yeah. not from this video. I just saw Silver training. I mean, it's I have to send it to you, Mike. It's like the, I was like, what am I watching? What is this fuckery I just witnessed it's right just now? Like the weird like Smith machine. Yes, yes, with the with the with the, with the the mask on. I'm just like, what is he doing? Maybe he's trolling us. You know. Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm and like, this can't be real. Sense of humor. That can't be serious. No, it's kind of no. funny when people have to add a lot of uh, unnecessary elements to their training. It's like, okay, I'm going to do heavy double kettlebell presses and I'm going to wear a mask while I do it. Yeah, but I you need to see what he's like doing they, on the Smith they, yeah, machine, yeah, though. Yeah, it's yeah, beyond yeah. the mask. It's just like, what in the hell? He's doing like this tippy toe thing on the Smith machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather see someone do curls in the, in the squat rack and <laughs> see I what I was doing. It'd probably be as useful. <laughs> 
But I mean, inversely, it, it, it always bums me out when, when in that kind of situation where someone's like, Anderson Silva is a scrub. And it's like, oh, yeah, really? Sure. Sure. No, he scrub you right off the ground, like, buddy. That, that, that's ridiculous. Too. Yeah. Even the lowest tier UFC fighter will likely kick most people's ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. oh, the hot wings and beer drinking dude that's sitting up in the stands. Oh, Hell, that's yeah. what I'm saying. People have no clue. No. When you think about it logically, it makes sense, right? Like someone who's never worked out before, they're not going to walk in the gym and just deadlift five hundred pounds, <laughs> right? So why, so why would why, so so why would someone sitting on a couch, like sincere said, who's never been in a fight in his life, watching professional fighters put in years of hard work to get to where they are, think that he has a chance? Exactly. <laughs> you, know? you have no clue. People go, go spar with someone who's even at just an amateur level, and you'll realize real fast, oh shit, I'm way out of my element here. <laughs> I've been lucky enough to to roll with a lot of uh, jujitsu black belts, mm. and just it's such a humbling experience. Yeah, you're just helpless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm helpless right here. This guy can do whatever he wants. I'm helpless right here. <laughs> there are levels to this shit. You know? Oh yeah, and, and those guys are on another one. Yeah, so it's, it's like amazing. someone gets punched, and you're like, "Oh man, you know, he gets knocked out easily." It's like, "Yeah, let's see how well you do." <laughs> <laughs> you know, a professional fighter who weighs 250 pounds punched him on the chin, and he got knocked out. Wow, what? That's that's yeah. just that's just mind boggling. <laughs> that's the kind of punch that will change the average guy's life. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the kind of punch that changes most of those fighters' lives because yeah, a lot of times they never come back from that that knockout, man. You <laughs> know, it, it, com- it comes back to the old thing. There's two kinds of guys in this world. There's guys that have had their ass kicked in the past and guys that haven't had their ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> guys that have exactly. had their ass kicked in the past are always respectful in of, yes. of, of, of you know athletes. And That's fighters. so true. That's true, man. That's guys so true. that have never had that beating, never got their ass kicked when they were young, they missed on a very formative learning experience. Yes, they did. You get up like, to hang out with those dudes too much. Yeah, they, they somehow feel that they're invincible because they haven't. Yeah. But no, you're just lucky. But yeah. you didn't. You haven't gone your whole life without getting your ass kicked because you're a badass and everyone's trying to avoid you. <laughs> you know? oh. It's just you're just lucky. Yeah, I can't sit there and talk crap about how I would never lose my billions of dollars and I've never had it. <laughs> you know, it's like, come yeah, on, man. Yeah, yeah. I learned everything from any ass whipping I ever got. Oh yeah. <laughs> to my one thing about it, and it was just I was just watching this video uh, with Brandon Lee, and we just talked about all the things that so many events happen in our lives that you know stop harping on things because nine times out of ten you're gonna forget that you're gonna move on. So quit trying to find these little negative things and trying to hold on to them, hold on to them. It's just like with your child is like, there's those afternoons where you go outside and at that moment as a kid, that's like the greatest day of your life. And you're just like, God is going to always be like this. But now, you know, as you said, we're on the wrong side of 40. Do we even remember that day anymore? <laughs> you know, that's the thing about it. So that, that's just, that's just the thing, man. Just, you, you just got to keep, I don't know. But one thing about it, I can remember those ass whoopings. And I learned a lot from them. And those those days stick with me. And that makes me sit back and like, mm, nah, you know what? He's a bad man. He's better than me. That's usually my phrase. Like, yeah, couldn't be me. <laughs> it's my, I'd rather not. Not by choice. And that's the thing about it. Who actually wants to go and get an ass whooping by choice? And that's what these fighters do. They're going to get an ass whooping by choice. That says a lot right there. <laughs> that says a lot right there. So these other guys that sit there and criticize them, would you go get your ass whooped by choice? Would you, yeah. would you get your ass whooped for a price? You know, how much is an ass whooping worth to you? They wouldn't even make it through the training. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, how much is an ass whooping worth? (laughs) But you're going to get your butt kicked in the gym where there's no glory or anything. And you're paying for that one. You're not getting paid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You got to pay for the membership. (laughs) No, but this whole wrong side of 40 thing, I just want to make it clear I'm on the right side of formal (laughs) 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 Bam, there you go. 
<laughs> Amen. I, my hormones are better now than they were when I first started studying yeah, all this exactly. stuff when I was in my late 20s, <laughs> early 30s. So, boom. How about that? Wrong. Hell yeah. <laughs> now, let's go back to this whole racism discussion. Though, we went on a, a nice, interesting tangent there. <laughs> but what did you think about Phil Anselmo's response, Adam? Well, the the first response I heard was that he was talking about white wine. Right. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Right. Yeah. But then there was a, there was another one where it was a video. Yeah, the video. Yeah. The mm-hmm. video, I mean, look, there are people in this world that have a really dumb sense of what they think is funny or appropriately shocking. Right. 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 They'll say things that they may not mean in in necessarily a hateful way. It comes from a place of just stupidity, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it's tough. Like, like you want to give people the opportunity to, to get redeemed and, you know. Sure. But. So, know. Sometimes, though, when someone says something, like, I always put it this way, right? When someone feels really comfortable, yeah. what they say <laughs> in that environment is what they really believe. Exactly. Yeah. So That's what I said. Like Donald Trump, like Michael know? Richards in in uh, Kramer when he when he went on that whole racist right, yeah. tirade, like we should string you people up and we should yeah. go back. I mean, where is that coming from? That's deep in his psyche. The fact that it, he got so angry with a heckler, a black guy, that those words came out right. Like if, if I meet yeah. a black guy, he's an and he's an asshole. I'm not thinking n word right away. I'm just like <laughs> this guy's an asshole. Dick. Yeah, it's like fuck off, dude. I'm not gonna be like fuck off, you n word, n word, n word. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that's, that was kind of what I was alluding to, like with Donald Trump. Like I said, he's given so many people a pass to finally let it out, come out of the closet. Right, like, ah, right. oh, exactly. yes, <laughs> finally, someone that thinks like me, and he has a bigger stage, so it must be okay. They're letting him say it on TV, so why can't I think like that? Well, I mean, so, YouTube shows a lot of the, uh, the, oh, the gosh, cowardly yeah. racism, right? So these are people <laughs> who have these anonymous names, and now they feel like they can just say whatever they want. Like they'll be like a Beyonce video, and they're just going on oh, and dude, on. Dude, I, I have on, one on like my video. It's just like on, on a sprint video that I put out from like years ago. Like, oh, there they go. The spirit chunkers are good at running, boy. They, that's what they can do. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I was like, hmm, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and approve this comment. And of course, this dude got roasted. I just sat back and just <laughs> let him, let him just, I let everyone just have it. Man, I was like, oh, here you go. <laughs> but, but that's someone that you could have met in person that you would never. Have he would never would say that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what on. I mean. Is that there's 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 a lot of racism that's cloaked nowadays, and, there, and to some extent, there's a, a lowering of racism, but to another extent, it's just more cloaked now, where people realize that it's not as socially this. acceptable as it used to be. So they're like, well, let me keep that under wraps. But if they're if they've had a few drinks, and then you make it clear, like like if I went into a bar and said, oh man, you know, all these black people doing this and that. <laughs> Some people may be offended, but there may be one person who's like, oh, yeah, man, I've been thinking the same thing for a long time. And now that you've said it, I have permission to, right. to see what I think. Now, speaking of yeah. that, I'll, I will say this. Talking about being the black guy on the panel here. <laughs> I will say that we a lot of times in our culture, we do play the part of also validating this. So when I say that, even in our music, we, you know, we sit there. OK, let's really think about it. Who's pretty much buying most of the music you hear in hip hop now? You know, it's going to come from white customers. Okay, and so here's the problem I always have where, you know, you're at a concert and, you know, let's just say we're at a Kanye concert and every other word is the N word. Hell, there's a song him and Jay-Z have is N words in Paris, (laughs) you know. So when you're sitting there and your audience is pretty much 90 percent white, 
you know, they're thinking like, well, I paid for this concert ticket and I love this song, so I should be able to sing it. And as soon as they get rid of say it, you know, it's very uncomfortable <laughs> because they're kind of looking over at me like, I really want to sing the chorus of this song, but damn, look at that dude with the dreads right next to me. I don't know. I don't know if he's cool or not with that. I need me and I can't sing the lyrics. Exactly. So, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking like, it's, it's a catch, it's a catch 22 for me because I'm like, do I, I can't, do I really get upset that this dude's gonna say the word when this fool on the stage here pretty much gave him permission to say it because this dude's money pretty much gave him the right to sit there and sing these lyrics because he bought the album, he bought a concert ticket, and the dude on the stage had pretty much given him approval, but then you're gonna sit there and say, don't say that. I mean, it puts, it's very awkward because, you know, we're in a, we're in a performance culture, an entertainment culture, where all these things also validate the same people that try to sit there and vilify, you know, they, they try to bring down like Phil Anselmo. These are also the same people who are pretty much putting out that product for the, the masses to buy and giving I, them I permission never to do the it. the whole thing of, oh, it, it's okay for us to say this to each other, but we don't want you exactly. guys. Exactly. It's it's like, well, well, here's well, the, which one is it? Here's the phrase yeah, that kills that, me that, that, that I hear. Right? It gets on my nerves when I hear that it's a term of endearment. No, it's not. To my, trust me, trust me. There's not one, there's not one Jewish person walking around here calling themselves a Nazi, you know, and saying it's a term of endearment. They've taken on the word, you know, or, or whatever. Jewish people are not walking around calling each other kikes or something. Kikes, like exactly. That, right? <laughs> it's a term of endearment, you know, What's like, up, no. Kike? no, no one's gonna say that. No, people so I'm like, stop that. Stop that madness right there. I'm like, it sucks. The word sucks because it's not, it's more than just a word. It was a weapon. It was used as a weapon for so many, many, Many decades and, and centuries there. So just stop that, man. So and it just it, like I said, it's that catch twenty two, just like you were saying, Adam. And it kind of it puts you in a very awkward position. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I, I just think I just think as a as a as a language, you know, we need to get rid of some of those words for a few generations. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Maybe later we can start bringing it back for music and culture <laughs> stuff. But right now, it's still too soon. Yeah, there's so many much better words out there like dick. You know, <laughs> you know, if you call someone a dick, I mean, just kind of like, you know, who nine times out of ten, so everyone's probably going to agree with you at that time. <laughs> They're going to probably be like, yeah, he was being a dick. You know, no one feels uncomfortable about it. You go old school. Call someone a fool. A fool, yeah. Fool. <laughs> I remember growing up as a kid just saying that word, you get like slapped for some reason. He's like, you better not say that word. Don't ever call someone a fool. It was like this. But then you still hear the N word. I'm like, wait a minute, huh? What? Ignoramus. <laughs> Ignoramus. <laughs> These words will cut someone to the bone. Putts, man. What happened to putts? Putts was a good word. I love that. Okay. You know, <laughs> Oh, yeah, but I, I hear you with Phil Anselmo. It's like on one hand, you, I mean, do, do we you just want to keep I mean, the guys apologizing? So now we're just going to keep harping on. It's like, oh, we don't believe your apology. <laughs> well, what do you accept them to do at this point? Exactly. But, so, so it, it's on one hand, it's like, okay, it's hard for us to believe that that's not what you really think because you're you know, under that environment of yeah. throwing this out. But on the other hand, it's, you 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 did apologize. Uh, do we? Now we have to prove whether you're apologizing. Well, here's the thing. Here's the flip side of that. Sincere or not? Yeah. Well, here's the flip side. You got other people who are like, you know, I'll, I'll never listen to Pantera again. Okay. Why does? Why do those guys have to be punished? Because this dude was a dumbass. <laughs> you know. It's, it's the art and the artist situation. Now, can you love the art and hate the artist? Is that possible? Well, it's like if you found out someone is a child molester and you're like, that would be enough for me to say, okay, I'm done with. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, tr trust me. So my R. Kelly came off my came off my iPod in a hurry. You know, once that video came, I'm like. Dude, you can't deny it. that's you peeing on a on a thirteen year old girl. My, no, that was my brother. No, oh, you're nasty. But what kills me, he's like, he's still on award shows and he's still on the radio. 
But yet and still, these are the same radio stations that will sit there and down, like, oh, Donald Trump is a racist, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, you're playing R. Kelly, who's a freaking pedophile. You know, a pissy pedophile at that. I'm like, come on, people. These double standards are killing me. Category for himself. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, Adam, because you're you're coming out of a scene where there's there's been a lot of interesting components of hardcore music. There have there have yeah. been some racist elements over the years, and then then, then there's been a lot of uh, just bringing together, bringing people together elements as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was a time I remember when I used to go to Chromax shows in the 1990s and other hardcore bands. A lot of times it was cool to be all kinds of people there. Other times it would be somewhat racially divided. There would be fights breaking out. Yeah. It got to the point where the hardcore scene went through a real dark ages at one stage because people, people just didn't want to go to a show and deal with having to get into a fight every time they went. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say about hardcore is hardcore is tolerant to anything and anybody except white power Nazis. Right. 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 You know, like like if that's the hardcore scene has definitely policed that out. Absolutely. You yeah. know, you know, for better, you know, for, for the for the greater good. You know, a lot of people in the 90s and early 2000s fought fights so the kids today don't have to. Right. You know what I mean? right. They, you know, they made a stand. They cleaned it up. They made it really clear that this was not a genre that you guys are welcome at. And now right. kids get to go to shows without having to deal with, you know, what, you know, some of the some of the older school kids had to go through at shows like you're talking about. You know, yeah, like right. you would go to a show and, it, and you know, I mean, it was possible something was going to happen. Now it's it's the exception, not the rule. That oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it was funny because back in the days, you'd hear someone say, oh, Roger Moret, that guy's white power. It's like, yeah, he's Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like Freddie, Freddie Mailball, those guys, Mailball's a white power band. It's like, yeah, it's okay. you got a Hoya who's Latino. You got Freddie who's, who's, who's Cuban as well. Come on. I mean, even Slayer. You, I mean, Tom Array mm-hmm. is Chilean. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. like, yeah. There's a certain amount of theater, you know, and the desire to shock that, that definitely exists within extreme music, you know? Sure, sure. And you just got to kind of, you can walk up to the line, you can put your toe on the line sometimes, mm-hmm. but you can't quite step over it. <laughs> well, you, you guys are definitely about solidarity, though, though H2O, oh. because the music is very melodic and it's also very positive. Like, I was listening yeah. to the new record last night, and I've listened to it many times, but like every song just makes you feel good it's just a very positive infused thank music you, thank you that was mm-hmm. that was kind of the intent you know it's our first record in seven years and uh we're, we're a band that know what we're good at and we wanted to make a record that if you like the last one you're gonna like this one you know so anthemic positive lyrics upbeat music that was the goal and i i think we we did all right you know i mean some hardcore music is very angry which i like you know i like that too your music is more it's not angry but it's it's aggressive in terms of take charge of your life use your voice go do yeah. some positive things yes. it's not just singing about hey let's all have fun it's like let's do that let's have fun but that's actually do some positive things as well it, it, it's kind of like i mean there's a term that's used a lot in music about keeping it real right everyone right. likes to keep it real well for us keeping it real <laughs> is writing songs and lyrics that reflect like a positive stance towards things for some of the bands that are angrier and tougher, that's the life they lead, you know? Yeah, that, yeah that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of reporting from their lifestyle. Like, Chrome Mags, Age of Quarrel, like John and Harley were squatting, and they were they, that was their daily reality, survival of the streets. Yeah. Those guys went through some – I mean, you've read John's book, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Crazy times, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy times. You can see exactly where that age of quarrel came from because that was their reality. That was their life. They weren't watching movies and saying, oh, this would be a cool thing to write about. I mean, that's why the record, that record sounds the way it does. 
And ironically, it's why the, the that lineup of the Chromex is in the state it's in. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. it's right. these are angry. Well, these are intense guys. You know, what I mean? <laughs> right? They make intense music, and you know that kind of chemistry can't last forever. That's why the album was so good, but you can't sustain that. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, they're not going to make three records together because of these strong personalities that just clashed. No. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting storyline, the whole Chromex, like all of the internal battles. And they were, they, were, they were just on the periphery of serious success so many times. And they I just mean, could transcend. a legendary band. I mean – but they, they could have been as big as Slayer, in my opinion, or so. Megadeth, or somewhere along. So. If if they if they made three records like Age of Coral, right? Just yeah. even even two. But if they made three, if that lineup stuck together for three records and they made that kind of music, they they would have been huge. They could have made a bunch of crap after that, and it wouldn't have mattered. Man, I gotta say though, Best Wishes ain't bad. No, I love Best Wishes. The best Wishes ain't shoddy. That's what got me in because I was more of a metal guy than a hardcore guy at that time, and I didn't I didn't really care for Age of Coral when I first heard it, and then I heard Best Wishes, and I go, this is awesome, and then that was my gateway into Age of Coral and a bunch of other hardcore music. Yeah. So like even mm. even that lineup could have gone on to do really well yeah. because that was Thrash was really big at that time, and this was that was a crossover record which really went into that. <laughs> I, I really like Best Wishes actually. I thought it was really good. It, it 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 just it just when we talk about this, it reminds me of the days of scouring the thanks list for the next cool band. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly right. oh man! Now you're taking it back to like reading liner notes. Yeah, people don't even know about liner notes now and reading it like, okay, who who's this? Who is this? Who is this? And yeah. she, they have no clue now, which kind of like sucks that. when you think about that it. That was like my referral. System. Thank you. Like, exactly. Band, if I saw a band on enough thanks list, that was like they they were cool. And I <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't even know who typo negative is. But I'm <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to get the record, that thanks on like four albums already. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Or, or the bands are wearing their to t-shirts. My... You have to go check it out. Exactly. Like I got into Faith No More because Metallica was wearing the t-shirt. I was like. I gotta find out who these guys are. But I got into the Misfits because Metallica. Yeah, right, right. They were like Misfits uniform band for years. That's all they wore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their shout out list was my like my shopping list. You're like, okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> gotta get. Exactly. I tell you guys, as much as like scouring the thanks list as a kid was fun, back in the '90s and early 2000s when we had to make them. It is terrifying because God forbid you forget you someone. someone <laughs> yeah, that's or, or you know you thank the band in the wrong way. You know you, there, were, there was there was as many discussions over the thanks list as there were over the music sometimes. Whereas as the as the person reading, you would get pissed off like you know big shouts out to all our friends who supported us. I'm like, really? That's yeah, all you're going to give me? Give me some names, man. I can't go buy... Sh- I can't... Exactly. I can't go to Kmart and buy, you know, all our friends. Who the hell is that? I need a list some, of some of, those, some of those lists would get pretty long. I mean, there'd be a hundred bands, and you're like, I gotta go for research oh, on these guys? Well, just think about, think about it from a hip-hop perspective. And had a cassette demo. And yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the other thing, is like, so many of those bands, by the time you found out who they were, they weren't even around anymore. Exactly. It's like, Man, these guys have been done for five years. I just found out about. You see, them. Yeah, that, that was a big thing in early hip hop as well. They give a shout out all these guys, all these hip hop artists. That by the time you heard about them, they were either no longer around or they were dead. <laughs> you, you know, just like okay, well, hey man, you got that? Who's DJ Scott Right? Oh, he got shot. Really? <laughs> but I just heard him on the album with Karis One. Like, yeah, he died before the album was finished. I'm like, what the hell, man? So oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when. Uh, when it comes to hardcore, if the band is broken up, that doesn't tend to always be the same, the case for that long. No, that's no, true. no, that's true. 
lot of bands kind of step out for a while, take you know, take some years off, and then come back. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that? Because Freddie Madball and I were talking about that when they were did they did a show out here a while back, and on one hand, Freddie's like, yeah, it's cool to see all these bands coming back, but on the other hand, he's like, where were they when we needed them? You know, we're out here quite like, <laughs> it's like continuing to build this scene, keeping this scene alive. For sure. You know, like, we didn't mm-hmm. just take off for ten years and wait for someone else to resurrect it and then come back and capitalize mm-hmm. on it. No, I, I think I think with reunions, my philosophy is you can come if you come back, you can play maybe a year's worth of shows, and then you should contribute something. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's up to up to your previous work's part, but at least put some skin in the game, you know. Right. Make another record, you know, do something like that, and th- then I'm just, you know, keep going. But ultimately, if it makes someone happy, puts a smile on someone's face, yeah. judge, you know. Sometimes yeah. those reunion shows are depressing because <laughs> it's it's like here's the band 30 years later and they're still playing music from 1986 <laughs> or 1989. There's nothing new, right? <laughs> that is true. It, it right. always sucks when it, when you see a reunion and it's just no one cares, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just get this check. It's, you know, look, we had some finances go wrong. And, you know, maybe we should just do a tour so we can get some money back in our pocket, feed our families, and then go back our separate ways. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. It's just, not, it's just not the same, though, right? Like, now everyone's excited about this Guns N' Roses reunion, right? You got Axel and Slash and yeah. Dunk, those three, and I don't know who yeah. else. But those three cornerstone people are going to be there. But I saw Guns N' Roses in their prime, the original lineup. They opened up for Iron Maiden in California in 1988 I saw them and that was the original lineup what you see now is not going to be like that no (laughs) it's it's not going to be the same experience and even if it was the same dudes it's the same dudes like what is it 25 30 years later yeah exactly exactly (laughs) that's what I mean like if Led Zeppelin gets back together it's not going to be the same as seeing Led Zeppelin in their prime to my my man to my my, even the drugs they'd be using now wouldn't be the same as it was 40 years ago (laughs) (laughs) like the audience is not going to be the same same. hardcore bands we got to jump around or people get mad at us (laughs) you know you got to kind of work up to this this (laughs) get off the couch and play hardcore you know you got to Got to put some time in. The hardcore yeah. is a workout. Like I was like, Freddie Madball can make a workout video of what he does on stage. Right. It's like, it's like just watch Madball and then just mimic what he's doing. You're going to be tired after a minute. <laughs> exactly. Dude, arm circles, high speed arm circles, stomps. Jumps. Exactly. Yeah, he's doing he's doing jump squats for an hour and a half. Dude. <laughs> Sick front man. Yeah. Uh, John Joseph, same way. You know, John Joseph's in his fifties. He's a madman on stage. Yeah, John's a special breed. You know. So we've heard. But you guys too. You know, I, I, I haven't seen you guys live yet. I'm looking forward to it later this year in Vegas. But just watching a lot of clips on um, video clips, and it's fun. To, it's funny to watch you because you're six <laughs> four. You know? I'm a big guy. You're yeah. jumping up and down. It's, it looks like all these midgets are. Around you. <laughs> I'm not small. That's for sure. It's like which one's Adams? Like I'll give you a guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky I'm the bass player. It doesn't look totally ridiculous. <laughs> I've done some tours where I played guitar. Like I was in a band called Shelter. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sure, Shelter, yeah. Back in the 90s and I played okay. guitar for them. It just looks it looks silly, man. The guitar is so tiny on me. It looks like a banjo. You know what you never see is a front man who's 6'4". 
You know, no, that, front man is, is no. front man is usually a five six, five yeah. eight. Yeah. Yeah. We we could go down the front man rabbit hole about their compensating for various <laughs> things, but we'll stay out of that. No, I'm just saying it's interesting though that that's the case. Like I've never been, I go to a lot of concerts. I don't think I've ever been to a concert where the front man is six feet tall. Usually it's it's more the opposite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie's got some length on him a little bit. He might. Yeah, be yeah, tall. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Freddie's about he's at least six or close to it. That's most true. of them. Most of them aren't that tall. Yeah, yeah. Front men are a strange breed. <laughs> <laughs> like Daughtry, Chris Daughtry, one of my flights one time to D.C. and got off the plane. I was just like, hey, man, keep up the great work. And his head was probably like at you know below my chest level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, look at this little guy. I can pick him up and throw him. <laughs> it's weird, but when you're small, you can, do, you can get away with moving and dressing and acting a way that just looks ridiculous when you're tall. <laughs> you know, like if Prince was six four, that purple would look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he's five two kind of makes it look cool, you know. So, but but I'm sorry, but the but the ass pants will never be acceptable. I don't care what no, height you are. It'd be like it'd be like yeah. Howard Stern when he wore those pants. <laughs> Fault man pants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scarred my childhood. <laughs> I think he was banned from MTV permanently, yeah. Yeah, which is oh, one of the things I agree with. Yeah, he should have exactly. That's one of the things. I, that was a smart move. <laughs> one, of the few, one of the few smart moves they made. Yeah. Like, there's something about a man's hairy ass cheek that just goes to me. Yeah, call well, me old school. Call me old man. Exactly. It's funny uh, because I'm trying. I'm just trying to think about any like front man that's like six feet tall. I think like Hetfield is like the only one that's coming to my yeah, mind right now. Kind of tall. Yeah, he's six, I think he's like six six one something like that. Yeah. Which in music, in music, he's Shaq. Okay. In the yeah, music Dave industry. Mustaine, he may be close to six, right? Mustaine, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure either. I'm going to see them live in a few months. I'll try to figure Megan? it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's like, I'm, I feel like currently I'm like going through my midlife crisis through music. Like, I'm listening to all the metal stuff that I was listening to when yeah. I was like 16. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's all I'm listening to. Like, on my drive home today, I was listening to Anthrax, Spreading the Disease Record. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good Alica record. Maiden. Man, what a genre. What an era for music that was. Nah, the golden yeah. age of thrash metal was incredible. There were so yeah. many good bands coming out at that time. I know. It was It was like every record was just crazy. And and, and thrash metal was, was, at least in the United Kingdom, where I grew up, yeah. really positive-spirited shows, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it definitely didn't bring out goons. It was, like a, it was more wacky than anything else, you know? People were right, getting right. drunk and dancing and... It was just like raves. It was just like raves for the most part. It just seemed like, yeah. But yeah, it was one like thing about it, man, I will say this. Went up for haircuts and became ravers. Exactly. <laughs> Which is right around the time I was DJing. I was like, wait a minute, man. But I can say this much about the UK, man. There's always been this deep appreciation for music, no matter what the genre was. Um, it's just funny. I was just sitting there watching um, Standing in the Shadows of Motown, this documentary that was came out like 13 years ago. You know, and just like, you know, the Funk Brothers, which a lot of people... Here in the states, they didn't think of Motown. They just think about all the artists, Marvin Gaye, you know, you know, Marvin the Marvelettes and all that. But they never really think about the band, the the actual music that was going on. Not realizing how many hits these guys put together. But it's funny when they went on this tour, this Tamla tour, you know, that um that uh, there's like a an extended of the label of Motown. There's another, there's one of the smaller the sub labels. They did this tour over in the UK. 
And it's funny, there was these, this waiting party outside at the airport when the Funk Brothers got off. And they were like, you know, they had all these signs up. And it's basically, it was a welcoming party for all the guys in the band because everybody in the UK knew who these guys were. And they were celebrated just as much as Marvin Gaye, just as much as the, the Temptations and all those guys. And the band was shocked. They were just like, wow, these kids over here really do their homework. They look at the liner notes and they learn who the musicians are. And that's one of the things I really... Coming up like in the 80s and 90s, especially with a lot of music, man, you listen to some of these, like even just in the pop genre, you listen to something like George Michael, Culture Club, Rick Astley, any people we think might be corny now. But when you heard them on the radio back then, they were on black radio and nobody had a clue that these weren't black guys. <laughs> they did their homework. They studied this music, man. And even even just all just even as far as the musicians themselves, not just the singers, just the way they played, man, there was so much soul in there. And they actually did their homework. They knew the artists. And I always appreciated that about the UK. And even when I DJ was doing raves or whatever else, man, it's like, okay, yeah. Today's generation they celebrate the DJ. Which to me it was always funny. As a DJ, I was like, What are you doing? Don't scream and shout for me. I didn't make this record. I'm just playing the record right now. You know, if anything, I'm hopefully doing a good job of putting it together and creating a mood right now. You know, creating a story with putting these songs together for you for the next four or five, six hours. But what sucks now is that so many of these kids now celebrate the DJ and not the actual artist. Whereas back in that rave scene, man, people appreciate the fact like, wow, you played that record. I love that record because of this. Because of this artist and that musician, do you know who was playing bass on that song? You know that 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 was a that was great to me, man. I mean that education that you guys have over there, no matter what the genre was. Even in Europe, a lot of the festivals are really interesting and diverse. You'll have Joss Stone, Slayer, and Hollywood Undead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Festival. And no one everyone, questions everyone it. Everyone gets into it. No one music, questions that. Good you music know? is good music, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Europe, especially, you really see that on on the big festival stages, like yeah. the diversity of. I mean, we played with. I know Mabel was on the show, we were on the show, Terror was on the show, Motley Crue's on the show, Ozzy yeah. Osbourne's on the yeah. show, yeah. Uh, Zach Wilde's on the show, and it's just yeah, like, man. and then backstage, everyone's sitting in, you know, catering together. Right? Yeah, right. It, it, yeah. It's, it's kind of kind of a cool thing, like, I, I feel like once you get backstage, everything kind of levels out, you know? Right, yeah. We're all shitting in porta potties <laughs> <laughs> we're all lining up for whatever weird food they're serving backstage, yeah. It's kind of the right. great equalizer, but yeah. but sincere, it's interesting. You, it, I, it, you remind me of the bygone days where you would really have to be into music and and search back and figure out. You'd read a magazine article, and mm-hmm. that was your that was your uh, exposure to maybe who the artist you liked was listening to. Oh yeah, you would leapfrog that and then read about them, and you would keep going back. Nowadays, I feel like it's very easy to access everything and i think yeah. that's cool in one way but in another way i kind of miss that that treasure hunter aspect. oh man yeah i mean you go and you, you didn't have that many music magazines that you could actually go get but you know back in the day you can go like you look at sound hits and you would have all these this variety of artists and not only you get a backstory on them you'd actually get the lyrics in the in the magazine as well you know and or you'd have like magazines like you know let's say like oh shit like I don't know, like Revolver or something like that, man. Just Hit Parader was Yeah, Hit Parader. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, like, my mom was just like, gosh, boy, all those magazines. She, I'm pretty sure if the word hoarder had been around back then, my mom would have called me a magazine hoarder because I had so many different genres of music, magazines all the time reading about all these different artists, man, because I was just, I just loved it. You know, and there was just, there was no 
okay, it's just, this is metal. You can't listen to this. Don't tell me that. Somebody sounds good. I don't care what it is. I, I just hated the, all the categories. You know, it's got to be death metal. It's black metal. It's like, dude, it's rock. Okay. <laughs> so that's but what I, it is. Kid Living Color was the first black metal band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was a kid. That's yeah. what we thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're black. They're playing metal. There you go. The first commercially successful one. Ice T broke down a lot of barriers when he came out with Body Count. Body Count, yeah, pretty cool. Because I got into I got into Ice T way. I was a big metal guy. Got into rap. I really liked Ice T, and I had no clue Ice T was into metal. And then he came out with Body Count. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. We uh we did Warp Tour with him. Oh, okay. Interesting cat. Like you would see him on the side of the. It was weird. You would see him on the side of the stage, and he was watching the bands. But you could also kind of tell he was, I'd say, studying me. Oh yeah. No, no doubt. Oh yeah. He was. He was kind of checking it out. What's good? What's kind of working? You know. I mean, I love Ice T, man. What a what a successful gentleman. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. Everything he's put put his uh his hand to, he seems to have done very well at. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I always like to look at people like that, and 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 kind of look at what the commonalities between them are, you know? Like, exactly. Oh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, because he is successful as a rapper, he's got a great metal band that hardcore kids love too, and then he is also a successful actor. He's on Law and Order, mm-hmm. longest running, one of the longest running shows. Period. I'm pretty sure he had a best selling book. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, yeah. you know, people even think about how, I mean, this goes back, his, like, him in the movies, like, goes back to breaking, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, this is like, what, 82 or something like that, man. It's just like, it's not like Law and Order, this was, or New Jack City is when you first saw this guy, <laughs> you know? And, right. and also yeah. just being smart to attach himself to a, these projects that are gonna be like these cultural difference makers. It's just like, like being on the soundtrack of Colors at a time where you had the gang problem at its height. Here in the United States, man, it's just and but he was it wasn't like he was just hey, I'm gonna make a song for the soundtrack and get paid. He was in it. He was in the mix of all that, the gang wars and all that on the West Coast. You know, so he saw it firsthand. He knew a lot of those guys. So he, he was getting a firsthand account. So those lyrics were pretty much he was just telling their story. And that's one thing I see is great is telling those stories of the streets, man, and telling coming from that first person perspective as well as a third person perspective. Rappers were like the first bloggers. You oh yeah, mean? like. <laughs> They would use their records as an opportunity to tell you about a side of life that maybe you didn't want to live, but you certainly wanted to know about. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's back in the day that you say, like, you know, you know, at that time, rap was the CNN of the streets because exactly. CNN didn't want to go to the streets back then. <laughs> you know, they didn't want to be in the mix of all that. So you started hearing about what was going on, on the West Coast when you started hearing groups like N.W.A., Ice-T, King T, all those guys like that. You're like, wow, is it that, you know? too short and also you start thinking like wow is a drug game like that oh these game is that for real like you know and then it started leaking into the the suburbs and and that's when i think it became like okay one or two things are going wrong here you know this might influence my child to act that way or we can make a shitload of money off of this (laughs) and suffice to say the latter is what they ran with right there like okay let's exploit the hell out of this genre and so now it's to the point where Okay, these are not even stories anymore. It's just like it's becoming, you know, it's 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 just common everyday thing now. So now you try to rap about your struggle like, okay, what struggle? Okay, dude, you're not broke. You're not broke. Okay, you're walking around. You're talking about you got your Bentleys. You got all this other stuff. Don't try to tell me about your days as a drug dealer. Nope. Kind of not valid anymore. 
Don't want to hear about it. <laughs> at, at that point, they need to sing about other people's struggles. Exactly. Right? Like, go to Rwanda. You know, <laughs> go, to, go to Kenya. Just go to any third world country and interact with people and come up with some new material. Rather, like your life is not a struggle anymore. Exactly. Can't talk about that. But other don't people's t- lives are still a struggle. So don't tell me about the drug game when you were doing it like 25 years ago. Okay. <laughs> the way the music industry is, if you're, if you're spending your money on Bentleys and mansions, there's a, there's a strong probability you'll have some struggle to rap about. In a <laughs> Pretty soon. That, that's but true. That's yeah. Tomorrow, you will be behind the music. You will be that candidate for yeah, that show. Yeah. Or where are they now? Where are they now? <laughs> or dancing, or dancing with the stars, <laughs> which is the new behind the or music celebrity yeah. apprentice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should call you it former. Stretch out your fifteen minutes of fame in the twenty first century. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's always, there's always, there's a reality show waiting for you. <laughs> you there's always one more level that you can catch on to before you, as you're falling. It's like, yeah. well, I'm at, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, but there are, there are a couple of tree limbs you can hit on the way down to kind of yeah, slow I down see, the fall. I see a tree limb for a celebrity apprentice. Like, yeah. I'm, for a minute. <laughs> I'm going on stuff. celebrity rehab. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, just, just exploit yourself. As just a do the reality show it. circuit, man. Like, I'm not done yet, man. <laughs> I, I always thought hip-hop is kind of taking what punk rock should have been and doing it better, you know? Mm. Punk rock was uh, street-level music. Mm-hmm. It spoke about political ideas. It had a, a certain dress sense that, you know, you could recognize a punk yeah. rocker. Right, right. And and your parents were scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, so, hip-hop kind of took that after punk rock dropped the baton and carried it to where, you know, it is today. I mean, I can't imagine a world without hip-hop. I mean, everything from the way athletes play sports to, you know, the kind of energy drinks people put back. Hell, just so television crazy. wouldn't even – I mean, yeah. there wouldn't be one commercial. Pretty much, if that were the case would anymore. Would there be BET? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, would there be MTV at this point now? Because right now, MTV is just a light-skinned <laughs> BET. Okay? And you can quote me on that. Because Man, I, I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just got MTV in my cable package. God, so depressing. Get a refund, man. <laughs> if you can find the M in MTV, then get back to me on that one. Because right, the exactly. M has been missing for is it, years. Is it even music television anymore? It's now, now they're producing their own shows like Teen Wolf and uh, Shannara Chronicles and things yeah. like that. Which is all fine and good, but it's you need to you need to call yourself something else now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd be like if Metallica started making folk music, but they still call themselves Metallica. Metallica, no, Metallica folk Metallica. Push, push that push that envelope a little bit. Yeah, with uh, what was that oh, record you did with um, oh, Lou man. Reed? Lou Reed, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, look, I, I don't I don't like Metallica after Master of Puppets. I've said that many times on the show. Yeah. About the Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets. I'll you know, those, them, those are masterpieces. I'll give them Justice for All, but it's begrudging. They, they started losing me on Injustice for All. I, okay. I, it was, it's a, I mean, it's a very uh, the, the talent level on that record is is great, but the music just didn't captivate me. The yeah. three, I feel like after Cliff Burton was gone, something changed dramatically in that band. It just wasn't the same. And then everything that came after and Justice for All, though, I still went to see them live. After that, though, forget it. Once that black record came out, I was like, nah. <laughs> and, I, and, and I didn't think it sucked. It just, it just didn't speak to matters. me. What's that? I'm not going to, you know, I'm not tooting a horn, but the bass players are kind of important in bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very much so. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much like besides, besides the, the, the drummer, just been, you're taking away the heartbeat of the, of the group right there. It's just like, put it like this. You've got, you've got the heart. And you gotta pretty much have like that, that brain system to work with it, man. And that's that connection right there. Everything else is just like all the rest of the organs of your body. <laughs> you know, I you lose them. Everyone felt that way. <laughs> I, I mean, because the bass player can do what the drummer can't. The drummer needs to take a break. The bass, the bass, the bass player can still carry the rhythm. 
Okay. I mean, that's just another thing I was looking when I was looking at um, the shadows, you know, standing in the shadows of Motown, man. Just the freaking basis, man, the stuff that that guy was doing. James you know, a lot of, oh my God, dude. Get <laughs> about like, it. Oh my gosh. So, man, he just people's gonna get it. He's at the altar that we all bow down to, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, so. the bass is one of the things that made Chromex stick out so much. Dude, Harley's Har- sick yeah, bass. Player. He's an incredible bass. And his new record, his his bass is, it's like you, you hear him playing the bass, you know it's him right away. Yeah. He has a very yeah. distinct sound. Like the first couple chords, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a new Harley song. He's got that right hand, you know? I think it's from his drumming years. Just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of right. bounce to yeah. He's a great drummer, too. So Crummeg's always had a very strong bass and drum connection. So there was a lot of rhythm in their music. Yeah, I mean, just even on a lighter note, just think about Red Hot Chili Peppers. What would they be without Flea? Let's just. Oh, yeah, really, sure. I mean, sure. I mean, just even the way to sit there and even do a Stevie Wonder song, do higher ground. Can you just imagine if Flea wasn't in that group? And just the way that shit starts off, man, how can you not get hyped up? I mean, it just added a whole new dimension to that song, to a classic that pretty much you didn't think it'd ever be touched. Anything with Stevie Wonder is like, okay, it doesn't need any help from anybody. But when they brought their flavor to it, man, especially just the way he opens up, he's like, wow. <laughs> how can you not get hyped up off of that, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the man. I love Fleet. I, I yeah. think... I think like when I think of music, I split it into two. There's two kinds of music. There's music you dance to, and there's music you listen to. You know. Yeah, man. And yeah. music you dance to <laughs> always has a commonality. You know, it, it's the kind of thing where it's hardcore is music you dance to, pop is music you dance to, R and B is music you dance to, and then you have yeah. stuff like classical and jazz. Well. No one's dancing to Miles Davis. No. Oh man, did you see the trailer? Have you seen the trailer? You know what I mean? It's, yes. It's, it's music that you listen to. So so dance music always has kind of. And, I, you know, I put H2O in that category, too. We're a band that you dance to. I don't think anyone's, no you know, drinking coffee, listening to our albums. <laughs> and, and there's a commonality that, that kind of runs through all that. It's like an energy, like like a vibe that... What? We always call it the, you know, it's not a sexual position here, but you, you know, amongst my friends, you know, in the music industry, we say there's this thing, this, this hand to mouth syndrome. Basically, when you hear something like you stop, when your friends are talking, you say, oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. And then, and then you, you tell them, like, listen, listen. And then you hear it, you hear the break, and then the first thing you do, you put your fist on you're like, oh, damn, did you hear that? Yeah. And then you play it, and then what do you do? You bring it back and listen to it again. Like, hold on, one more time. And then again, just that one little section. And there's so many, there's so many people, so many kids in this generation who are missing that. Just having that experience where you go like, rewind that back again. Rewind it back again to the point where you just loop that over and over like, dude, I don't want to stop listening to that breakdown. It's like, damn. And you hear something different every time you listen to that break. Like, one little... Just one little idiosyncrasy, just something like, oh, my God, did you hear what he hit that? Did you hear the way he just went down the fret right there? You know, we hit the pedal. You can actually hear him hit his foot on the pedal. Did you hear it? You know, things like that, man. And, and that's missing now in music in so many ways as far as what's uh, what's out there now and what's being pushed out there now. You yeah, know, man, when, music, when music hits, you feel no pain. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, man. That, so I, I have a client who loves like Tiesto and all those new kind of yeah, acts and, yeah, right, right. And I hate to sound like an like an old man, but I'm like it just sounds like noise to me. Let me tell you, taking from a guy that uh, used to play in those environments, used to do raves and all that, I'm just like, it's so manufactured, man. It is, it's it's like there's even as a DJ, when those guys are up there, there the the soul is missing. 
There's so, and there's so much lying behind those turntables because those guys are not even really putting the music together. They're letting their computers do all the work for them. Right. I mean, it's to the point where they don't even have to really know the BPMs of a song. You know, they can actually just program it into their computers or whatever and make it drop down to that BPM. There's no art in that. There was a time when you actually had to sit there and think like, you know what? I can't play these two songs together because one is, one is sharp and one is flat. And putting those two, those two tones together, it's going to sound just like ass. Okay. And it's going to be a screeching halt when I play this. Or if you, if you're a DJ and you train wreck, which means the beats didn't match, you knew like, you know what? I should never mix these two songs together ever again because they're not around the same tempo and it really throws the flow of the crowd off. But now they don't care. They were train wreck and actually treat it like it's art now. Whereas two songs that one's going about 80, let's say 80 beats per minute, another one's going about 100 beats per minute, and they're just going all off beat. And these kids are cheering these guys. I'm like, you realize that's all wrong, right? <laughs> it's just like, you, how can you even dance to that? Because you're dancing to two different songs at the same time, which means your left foot is doing 80 BPMs, and your right foot is doing 100 BPMs, and you look special right yeah, now. You look spastic. Yeah, what that that's true <laughs> that's true i've stepped over many e-puddles in my days <laughs> you know raving man. i don't so. know what an e-puddle is an e-puddle is when uh you got like a kid so high on ecstasy they're passed out on the floor of the rave and everybody doesn't even bother picking them up or trying to get them help they just step over them and it's a lot of those that's what we used to call e-puddles so it's sad this was the late 90s and this is the reason why i was like i had one of the things one of the reasons i got out of that scene especially once my daughter was born i'm like Hell, man, I don't want to be the guy DJing 20 years now because there's some rave DJs. There's some DJs that are old as hell. They've been doing this for a long time. I didn't want to be that guy and my kids at a freaking rave. And now they're, they're, you know, them or one of their friends, they're all high off ecstasy somewhere. And I'm up there pumping my fist in there like I'm doing something big up there. You know, I didn't want to be that guy, man. It's, it's amazing like how Rick something. says, you don't want to be the old guy in the club. Never <laughs> want to be that want to be guy. The, you don't want to be in the club, period. Exactly. I mean, nothing productive <laughs> is happening. Nothing, nothing productive. Is, yeah, nothing productive <laughs> is happening there. <laughs> no. <laughs> like Sincere says, like, you don't have to worry about going to the club and seeing me there. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's a good way to phrase to my, it. Man. Hey man, I took a page out of my mom's book, man. Like, look here, man. Usually, put it like this: twelve o'clock. I'm at, I'm at home. To my, the only thing to open after twelve are legs. Okay, so <laughs> I don't no, need to I be. Th- out. I think that's why live music will always keep bands alive because people want that experience. They want to yeah. see a real band performing music. Not someone yeah. on a keyboard, not someone on a, on a laptop, by punching, pushing punching buttons. buttons and, yeah. you know, they got their mix program for the night or their their song program for the night. They're doing everything off no, of that. My, my favorite thing to do in Vegas is get a VIP table at a band I really like and go to a show live. So there you are, comfortable, away from the masses, enjoying great music, good view of the stage. And you can do that way cheaper than getting a table at a club where you're not, where, what are you going to get there? You're paying bottle 700, service. $700,000 for a fucking table at a club to listen to some shitty ass music and people are trying to talk in there. You can't fucking hear anything anyone's saying. What's funny to me is spending $1,000 on bottle service for a bottle of Moet that costs $25 yeah, at Kroger. Exactly. It costs $25 at Kroger, dude. And, and by the way, if I'm getting bottle service, can I get freshly squeezed orange juice, please? <laughs> can you not give me fucking Tropicana for like 800 bucks? For a, thousand, for a thousand bucks, a BJ better come with that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to need more than just bottle service, okay? <laughs> there are a couple of other Bs that need to be serviced while I'm sitting in this section. You get a VIP concert with a great view of the stage and an open tab or whatever you want for way less than going to some crappy-ass club. 
So that's one cool thing about Vegas is that the concert experiences out here are incredible. If you're if you're a fan of live music and going to shows, this is a great place to be. Yeah, I played played Vegas many times, and I've always like usually with with other bands, and it's always great to watch watch the the shows. There. Are, you, are you guys usually on Fremont Street? One of the clubs uh, there. It it changes all the time. Like we've played Hard Rock. We've played. Okay. Look, okay. it's too nice with Pennywise back in the day at some place that I, mm. I can't even remember. It was really off strip. Um, there's some country club, something country club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was talking about. That's that's yeah, in that, Las Vegas. That place is cool. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a good thing. I think with live music, what what makes a show really great isn't necessarily what happens off the stage. It really is the audience. You know, that's yeah, for sure. The energy. Like man. if you have a good crowd in the room. Then, then everybody gets lifted up through yeah. some kind yeah. of osmosis. I saw, I saw upon a burning body, like Texas band, and mm-hmm. I was definitely the oldest guy in that room, no doubt about it. But <laughs> I had a good time with these young kids. Everyone was really into it. The energy was incredible. It was actually one of the. I went to a lot of shows last year. That's one of the few that really sticks out because the crowd, the energy from the crowd was so good. That's what makes it beautiful, man. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if the crowd is engaged and the crowd is excited, then. You can't help but be lifted up by that. That's right. You couldn't right. help but just get into it more. You're not going to just stand around and watch. You, you see this energetic crowd. You're like, all right, I'm going to get in that. Yeah. yeah. And then the, then the band's job is almost inconsequential because they just have to get the crowd going and the crowd will re- re- return the favor to the band and it just becomes yeah. kind of this cyclic relationship of energy. But, that just, but, yeah. but some bands you go to, like Alice in Chains saw them and – Everyone is just sitting in their chairs, texting and drinking their vodka, mar- <laughs> drinking their martinis and yeah. watching. And there was a guy behind me. He's like, oh, I was standing up, jamming out. And the guy behind me like, oh, can you sit down? I can't see. <laughs> and I was like, stand up, motherfucker. Exactly. We're at a rock concert. You're at a concert right now, dude. This, right is, not the, this is not the opera. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a rock <laughs> show, damn it. We're not at the movies. How can exactly. you sit down to this music? <laughs> you know? It's rough. Oh man! Yeah, I, I saw Chris Cornell, and it was uh, it was the same thing. Just like yeah, 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 yeah. I saw him too. Yeah, seated audience, and and Chris is screaming and sounds amazing, but looks like he's as interested as a guy shopping for avocados. Do you know what I mean? It was. <laughs> that's why I like seeing a lot of the younger bands because they yeah. get a younger audience that's going to be way more into it. And those yeah. younger bands are usually a lot hungrier. Yeah, okay. they, kinda, they're kinda not a little jaded. They haven't been around the block a few yeah. times, you know. We're kind of like, you know what? <laughs> You're not on the stage, like, you know what? Fuck these people. I'm getting my check. I'm getting paid at the end of the night, yeah. you know. So it's not that. It's not like that you for don't most need to of see them. A band from 30 years ago going through the motions. No, <laughs> oh hell saying. no. <laughs> like no. you need to be excited that you're breathing right now. That you actually survived all the drug overdoses that you went through. <laughs> you know, you need to be up there no, celebrating. I'll tell life. you who's still great though. Who've been around forever? Scorpions. Those guys are awesome. I love wow. the scorpions. <laughs> scorpions are incredible, man. I I saw yeah. them when I was a teenager and they were great. Yeah. I saw them in 2012 and they were just as good, yeah. if not better. That lead singer was crushing it. The whole band was really into it. I was like, I, I didn't know what to expect. I go, this could be really lame, <laughs> like, given how many years later it is. But they still sounded yeah. great and their stage energy was incredible. Maiden too. Maiden still <laughs> slaughter it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Iron Maiden. I remember I saw them in '88 as well, and they, they were incredible. Yeah, they, they, they st- we we uh we were in Australia with those guys on a festival tour, and they just I watched them every night. They're like my my formative band, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing to see guys that have been in the game for so long have absolute material opulence. So you know they're not doing it for a paycheck because they right. put their feet up for the rest of their life and still giving it one hundred percent for the audience. I mean, right. there's, there's a lesson to be learned there for sure. You know. I think what's tough for a band like Iron Maiden is that. They still make new music that's great, 
but no one necessarily wants to hear it. And that's the and thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> they're stuck yeah, doing yeah. their greatest hits for the most part. It was I was watching this movie the other night with Al Pacino called Danny Collins, right, where he plays mm-hmm. this this guy that w- he was on the precipice of becoming a great singer, and then he essentially sold out and just did popular music. And he's trying to go back to his roots and write some really good stuff. And he, he tries to do this intimate gig where he's performing this new song, and everyone's screaming out, "Come on, play this song! Come on, man, play this!" <laughs> And then he finally just gives in and just just goes back to his old material. And I, I have to think that a lot of bands are probably like that. When I see shows where a band that's been around for a long time has new material, whenever they play a new song, people are going to the bar, getting a drink. Yeah. They're texting. <laughs> they're talking. All of a sudden, they're like, I don't know that louder. song. All of a sudden, the conversations are louder. You people talking. <laughs> well, you got to give it time. You know, we, we just – we just started touring on our new record and, and it definitely, there's definitely a process to getting the new songs into people's brains. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. you can't compete with a record that is 20 years old and someone grew up listening to, you know? But, but you so, guys still make great music and same thing with Madball, right? Like Madball's latest record was incredible. Great, great. So record. I think, I think if the, mu- I, I think that the key is, is that the music has to be incredible. Yes. If you come out with new music where you're just going through the motions, of course nobody wants to hear that. But if your new music is great, like the new H2O record, the new Madball record, so many bands put out great records last year and the year before. That that I think is different. Like when Madball played all their new music, people were loving it. Yeah, if you if you have good music, just wait a while. Everyone's going to get into it. That's right. Know? That's right. You just yeah. got to kind of go through that that moment where people have got the new record, they've listened to it, but they haven't got the time with it that they have with the one you put out last <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta have a good setup you just can't force me like we're putting out new music whether you like it or not and i think <laughs> it was a matter of, like probably about 15 years ago prince did that he's like i'm not doing any of my old stuff ever again i'm just all, all new material this time like mm, that's not a good move prince <laughs> no. so, madonna tried to do the same thing like look girl nobody wants to hear any of the crap you're putting out now you better you better freaking do like a version and shut the hell up okay El- El- elton john <laughs> did that one time in vegas i didn't go about tim larkin our friend so he said he yeah. went to the show with his wife and and elton comes down and he goes okay folks tonight i'm going to do something new and he just played all this other music that is not related to his hits and the whole audience is like come on man we want to hey, hear rocket man i want to hear benny and the jets life. what are you doing yeah, yeah, man yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, you have to walk that line between your kind of artistic integrity in quotes and giving the audience what they want exactly you know what I mean? and when in come doubt on. you kind of got to give them what you want exactly because right. you know even um yeah, we just saw Lenny Kravitz recently, and it's just like, you know, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, I hope he doesn't do a lot of his new stuff right now. I really, he's talking about, I really don't want it. And there's one album he should never do anything from. It's the one where he had the perm on the front of it, man. And hopefully his <laughs> pants don't split this Oh, one. my. Oh, God. And I was sitting there, like, and they, all these girls like, oh, you know, malfunction. I'm like, no, dude, don't do that here in Houston, dude. I Don't do that here. Talking about, that already happened. He said, oh, why do y'all want me to do that? You can just go look at it on YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah, which is kind of funny. That. He just rolled with it. But, you know, luckily he only did, like, maybe one new song the entire time and it's like he kind of just knew like all right this is from the new album blah blah and then he didn't stick with it long just enough to give you a taste of it and then he went back to the other stuff which i i'm pretty sure fans appreciated i'm like dude don't do a lot of new stuff you know let's just really it's like the rolling stones no one wants to hear the new material (laughs) play give me shelter exactly music is is nostalgia right yeah taken back to these memories these things like yeah i was this is what happened i heard this song i got my first piece of tail when i heard this song (laughs) and then i also broke up with that crazy broad on that song Music, music can take you back yeah. to to you know to a time, and it, it's also a condiment to to your life. If you're in love, 
and you play the right song, you will fall more in love. Yeah. yeah. If you if you you know if you're working out and and you need a performance enhancer, play certain records and oh, you no doubt. get stronger. Absolutely. Oh yeah, exactly. You will get stronger <laughs> without question. Yeah, that's so true. Like yeah, like I of the tiger, I I got more <laughs> strength. Yeah. I could push through anything when I was Have you uh, have you heard Devil You Know's remake of that? No, is it good? Yeah, it is good actually. I thought wow. when I first heard that they did a remake of it, I go, that's going to be corny. But it's <laughs> but Howard's such a great vocalist, man. Yeah, that it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's actually really good. I heard I can't remember the name of the band, but I heard an English band do a remake of No Easy Way Out from Rocky IV. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> Super rocking. Oh, the, the, those songs, and those, those those training clip montages never fail oh, to inspire no. you to work. Exactly. Out. Sometimes, I, life, sometimes I watch those on YouTube before I go train. I'm, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, I need a little boost today. I'm gonna watch that Rocky clip of him running through the mountains. Yeah. Makes you want to fucking like grab a log and run up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> like Sylvester Stallone influenced me so much from those training <laughs> training scenes, you know. And yeah. Some of those cheesy '80s martial arts movies where you oh, have yeah. like, the guy training, like. like yeah, blood sports and blood sport, yeah. kickboxer. And no retreat, no surrender. No surrender. <laughs> ghost comes I mean, back. Stallone, Stallone is still inspirational now because the yeah, guy's exactly. pushing 70. People are like, oh, he's on growth hormone, he's on testosterone. Yeah, Because yeah, exactly. he's pushing 70. Who, who gives a fuck? Well, Look, dude, you can't push 70 without some help, okay? Yeah, and also, also – I mean, what? I mean, who, who, I mean, when we were growing up, when somebody was seventy, they looked like they were seventy. No, they looked. <laughs> you know? It was like who's that? That's someone's. You're playing someone's grandpa on a TV show. You know, you're not. You're not the action star anymore. No. Nowadays, you have people like Schwarzenegger and Stallone and other guys who have kept themselves in good shape. Damn's great. I was yeah, about to yeah, say, keep Bam in mind, too. you look at Stallone now. Keep in mind that Burgess Meredith was pushing seventy when Rocky first came out. Look how he looked back then compared to how right, right. how Rocky looks yeah, now right. at that age. No kidding. No kidding. That's, that's a great. There's Dude, a the, difference. I tell you guys, when 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 diet, correct exercise, and supplementation fail me, I am shoving a needle in my ass. Fuck it, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> well, I mean, fortunately, there's way more progressive things in the yeah. pipeline that will manifest by the time we need that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, like stem cell therapy and nanobots. <laughs> I mean, there, there there's there's way more progressive things that are around the corner than TRT. And then there's some, there isn't anything wrong with TRT. Is if when nothing else works, it's not a bad option. <laughs> But we're, anti-aging medicine is just at the very early stages of coming out with developments. So stuff that's around the corner is going to be incredible. You look at 20 years from now, it's going to people are going to laugh at TRT and growth hormone injections and stuff like that. Right. It also shouldn't be a first response. I mean, if someone comes in and they're really low levels and they're, they're kind of shot, get them on a good diet, get them exercising right. Well, a lot, of, a lot of times it's a form. Of, well, a lot of times it's a form of laziness, right? Nobody wants to do any corrective things. They're like, "Well, look, I feel like shit right now, and if I take this, I'm going to feel better today." Yeah. So I don't want right. to wait a month to feel better. I don't want to wait a month to rejuvenate my T levels and growth hormone when I can get an injection today in this office, and I'm going to feel better right now. But then isn't right. it deal with the devil when you're? Oh, constantly? absolutely, it is. Yeah. Because now, now what happens is you go down that road long enough, you have to keep going down that road, exactly. You like it or not. So I mean, there there are, there are options. There are there are intermediary steps. For example, if like someone had a death in the family and they're going through a really hard time, maybe taking some DHA supplementation and and some TRT is not a bad idea during that phase. And then you gradually wean them off to a more progressive natural approach. So it's, it's you just have to take it by a case by case scenario. When someone is twenty eight. And their testosterone is low, though. We have to look at okay, why are you as a young man in your peak? Are you at such a depleted state? And what can we do about that? Most of the times, it's too much stress, not enough sleep. But you know, to tell you the truth, man, when I was 22, 
I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot. I was in college. My diet wasn't that great because I couldn't afford the best quality food. I was still crushing it in the gym. You know, I still had still had a high sex yeah. drive like anyone who's 22. Right. So now what happens? So when I see someone in their early 20s who has low levels, even if they're on a crappy diet and and their sleep is not optimal, they still shouldn't be so depleted. So it's kind of a scary state of affairs we're in right now, where there's there, there's so much that's attacking your your endocrinology. That at younger and younger ages, you're having problems that shouldn't be surfacing for 10, 15, 20 years from yeah, there. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, we're going to, you know, as I mean, we are definitely getting outside of our bodies, so to speak. You know, we, 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 we live in a world of cell phones and screens. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I am truly grateful that I grew up in an era where my character was forged without social media. Oh, exactly. I'm talking about an era where your parents didn't want you in the house most of the days. Like, okay, you don't know where yeah. go outside. Also, they I'm didn't ask. I, also, I'm glad I didn't go to high school when everyone had cell phones. Can you exactly. The stuff that you did that would be on. Dude, I remember. To my, to my, I'm coming from an era where if you had a calculator watch, the teacher took it from you. It's like, <laughs> give me that. That was considered cheating. And now they get to have their laptops in class. I'm like, and their iPads. I'm like, really? If you wanted to date a woman, you had to man up, go up to her, and speak to her face to face. Or at least have your friend pass the note that says, will you go out with me, yes and, or no? That, Check yes that, or that no. That is still the best approach today, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Come on, because, look, because, no, nothing you know, beats the basics, okay? You see, you see a good-looking woman, and you have the uh, you have the stones to go walk up to her and start a conversation. That's gonna, That happens so rarely that she's going to be like, wow, finally. you know, Here's a guy who helps <laughs> me in the real world. So instead of sending me an email or a poke on Facebook. Or like it, yeah. Oh, God. Man. <laughs> the, not, by the way, Men should not poke other men. No, men should not. Not unless they're doing it in real life and that's the that's lifestyle they choose. Right that's yeah, their yeah. lifestyle. Tell me, if that's your lifestyle, then no problem. But don't poke me on Facebook, man. I don't like that's you know what that is? That's social media assault. Because I didn't ask for that, man. Don't come yeah, don't poking on me. me if you did that in the real world, I could have you arrested, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the art of conversation is something that is also <laughs> dissipating because so many people live through their avatars via social media oh, and other yeah. mediums that the ability to to look someone in the eye and have an intelligent conversation is quickly becoming something that is going to be relegated to the past. Yeah. We're not careful. It, it's strange how far the pendulum has swung the other other way because yeah. I remember when, when I was a kid, the big thing was people no longer knew how to communicate through the written word. Right, right, right. right. Now everybody's kind of, for better or worse, has figured out a way to communicate through the written word or you're a social outcast and they've lost the face-to-face skills. But the problem is now that written word is not even – what are they writing? Everything's no like, exactly. yeah, I mean, the first time they're not even using the full word anymore. What you is? know, they're shortening words and WTF and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, write the word out. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it, it bothers me because ultimately, like from a pragmatic point of view, communication is communication. You know, you yeah. can write LOL, you get the point across, but man, right. it's so fucking lazy. Yeah. The and then half time, well, half time, LOL is a lie. Because are you really laughing out loud right now? Really? Are you laughing out loud? English so, language is all, all language. English being the only one that I speak, so the only one I'm qualified to to, to speak about. Right. It's so beautiful, and there's so many nuances. Like the more of it you can use in in you know in speech and in in written word, the better. I mean. It, well, I mean, it helps create. It helps create. Even just create the interest in the story of the person you're communicating with. When or just like it takes you somewhere automatic. If I hear somebody say a belt, if I'm watching TV, automatic like wow, they're Canadian. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. If I see somebody spell yeah, favorite, 
if they spell favorite, you know, O-U-R-I-T, you know, like, I'm like, oh, they're probably from the UK, <laughs> you know, just the way they spell different things and say different things and the way they say it. And it starts this conversation or it starts you thinking about things when everybody's pretty much on the same playing field, LOL, you know, I-M-H-O and all this other stuff. There's not really much character to that. It doesn't really take me really anywhere as far as the conversation. It's very yeah. flatlined. Very at that dismissive. Point. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm, let me put this in a let me put this in a way that you everyone can understand. <laughs> that's what it seems so like to me. Strange when I get one that I don't know and I have to Google. Oh, it. I know I have to go Google it. Yeah, or I have to go to Urban Dictionary sometimes and look I it don't up. Like, be uncool enough not to know what <laughs> I just want to know what the hell you're talking about. It's like, come on, man. Like, what does that mean? What is that? What are those three letters? What is that? Oh, oh, it's so and so, so and so, and they and then you can kind of see the condescending tone in the way they reply back. I'm like, look, dude. I don't. I don't speak idiot. I, I use. I lose. I use vowels, man. Okay, that's the thing about it. I like vowels. But They're important. Going back to the laziness, both of you guys were talking about. It also remember the good old days when you would call up a friend and have a conversation. You know, now it's more of a text. Yeah. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. How about you? I'm good too. And then that's just like, okay, check off my list. I got in touch with so and so. Let me let me uh, let me text Bob now and say the same thing. And then I'll then I'll text Chris and say this. And then I'll text Christine and see what she's doing. No, better yet, to my now to my now we're gonna say like the, the old dude sipping brandy and smoking cigars right now. Tomorrow, you know, the, dude, no. Like Remember when the phone call was actually a mystery? Middle-aged dudes bitching about the kids right here. <laughs> Remember the good old days when you actually the phone would ring and it was a mystery. You don't know who the fuck that was. You actually had to pick it up and figure out. Someone to meet. You you like your heart speeding a little bit faster. <laughs> like who is that? And you answer like hello like, with a, a question mark. Like, oh, <laughs> if you told someone you were going to meet him somewhere at five o'clock, you had to be there. At yeah, you had to be there. There's no, no text saying I'm late. Give you a heads up exactly. No, you exactly. had to be there, and and you knew how. To get that, because you still had a sense of direction, you know, you hadn't outsourced it to your phone yet. Hey, I can say this much: that lack of all this communication, you know, you know, options for communication, also had an increased commitment <laughs> to, to everything else. So there was yeah. a bright side to not having all that technology and all that accessibility. It made you have to commit to more things. That's yeah. the thing about it. Whereas now you can be so, like you said, be very dismissive with everything. Like, oh yeah. Something came up, not text. First of all, you're texting. Something came up, not going to be able to make it. And you're supposed to be there like five minutes ago. <laughs> you're like, really? I'm sitting here at this table here waiting for you, dude. And you're just now texting me? Oh, my bad, dude. My phone died. <laughs> so it's, it's all these different things where they never have to commit or take responsibility for anything, man. It seems since texting, <laughs> most people are running late. <laughs> yeah. Like pretty much everyone I meet is late. Five minutes late. Running five minutes late. Five minutes is five minutes, but it's my traffic. Five minutes. Right, traffic. Right. <laughs> I could have been doing stuff. Yeah. Well, it's always the the no. It, it, basically, you're telling the other person that my time is more. It's not as important. Yeah, exactly. To my, you know. So it's you okay work. for me to be late because I'm busy doing shit, but I don't mind you waiting around. But if they do it to you, you're like, damn, dude, for real, my time is valuable. You, you know, you you couldn't think about me in a situation. Like, wait a minute, didn't you? Just like, I understand <laughs> things happen, but like, but like yeah. most of the time, is people just don't care enough to be on time. That's right. right. That's right. You know, it's so like you, you didn't think to leave ten minutes earlier. You know, yeah. It's like, hey, it's like you're twenty minutes late because <laughs> you tried to go to the other side of town five minutes from when you're supposed to be there. And yeah. a lot of those situations are because these people have agreed to do things or be places that they didn't give a shit about. So my thing is a simple solution to this to save everybody's time. First of all, take that word maybe out of your out of your vocabulary and just say yes or no. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that. Just really just that simple. Like if you don't care, nah, I'm not going to be able to do that. 
and leave it. Th- you're done. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes people are so uh, afraid of being that. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings blunt. by saying no. But well, shit. Like, like someone said, oh yeah, I'd love to pick your brain. Can we do this? You're like, oh yeah, sure. And then you, and then you're like, oh okay, I'll say no later. I, I don't do that crap. Though. I just say no. Right I don't now. have deferred no's, man. My no's are and pretty it, immediate. No, it's, it's, and it's also it's also for me. I'm, I'm not thinking of the other person because <laughs> I'm thinking of my time. It's like, look, I'm not interested in meeting up with you, so I'm just gonna, I'm going to tell you that right now, so we don't waste time. I'm I'm doing that foremost because I don't want to waste my time, but also as a, as a, as a side benefit, I'm not wasting your time either. Because exactly, because you don't want to hurt their feelings by you know. Here's the thing, I don't want to hurt their feelings by saying no. You can hurt their feelings when they're talking and you're looking all around the restaurant. You're answering texts. Well, you're, you're getting them all your... excited now. They're like, oh, cool, I'm going to meet up with so and so, and then you, you wait till the last. You wait till the eleventh hour to say, oh, I can't make it. <laughs> blow them off. You know that's not cool either. You yeah. almost you almost get what you deserve if you don't have the ability to say hard no's to people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's definitely definitely like like it's tempting to be like, oh, you know, let me see, maybe. I don't gotta <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. fucking no. <laughs> my grandma was like that. I remember my brother once. My grandma's like, hey, you want a piece of cake? And my brother's like, oh, you know, maybe. Then she's like, no, yes or no. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, exactly. Not maybe later. You want it or you don't. <laughs> hey man, I always look at it like like being like testifying in court. Like no no attorney wants to hear your ex- explanations when they ask you questions. Like it's a simple yes or no. You know, then one's like, well, you know, I was thinking, well, blah, blah. And I actually saw Mr. So-and-so is yes or no. So you should get into the practice of that because you never know when you have to be in that situation because no one cares about your explanations. It's kind of like when a cop pulls you over. It's like, you, well, you know, uh, well, officer, I was on my way to pick up my wife. That's why I was speeding. No, no. You know you were speeding, right? Yes. Okay. There it is. You're done. Write the ticket. Be done with it. First, don't even argue with them. That's what, tell me that's what lawyers that, are that's for. How you, that's how you make it a certainty that you're going to get a ticket. Like all that debating and like, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Over. I, I've gotten out of two tickets in Vegas just by being a cool guy. You know, the exactly. Me over. I had my hands in the wheel, window rolled down, handed yeah. everything he needed to know. I didn't make up a bunch of excuses like, oh, why are you pulling me over? Like, oh, I wasn't. Or you didn't turn to an asshole and start questioning like, why, dude, what yeah. is wrong with you? Tell me, there's more important things out there. You want to pull me? Yeah, 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 exactly. Really, right now? You want to do I that was a right cool now? Cool guy. You know, I, made, I, I didn't do anything that would make him feel that I was a threat in any way. Right. And I got off both times, so I don't <laughs> think it's coincidental. Yeah. So, I th- so I think that's the mistake a lot of people make is they know they're in the wrong. And then they're they're trying to justify it. You know? Exactly. Surprising how far basic human respect and courtesy can take you in this life. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and there it is, exactly right there, right. man. Like I said, you can catch a lot more flies with sugar than you can with vinegar. That's what people need to well, understand, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Straight no, up. That's very correct. Now uh, we don't want to keep you on forever, but just I'm just curious what you do to stay in shape on the road because we have a lot of listeners who travel mm-hmm. a lot. They may not be in the music business, but they're traveling all the time, and they're going. I I don't know how to get into a routine to stay okay, fit. Well, well, for me, I absolutely have to exercise daily on tour. If I don't, um, I'm less fun to be around. Right, right. You know, it, it, it tends to kind of set me up for the day. Um, what I started doing on the last tour is I'm not a runner right off the bat. I'm a terrible runner. I suck at running. So on tour, I actually go running. Um, and I run through the, the streets at a fairly decent pace and I'm looking for places to work out. I kind of bit this from Steve Maxwell a little bit. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like sure. I'm looking for, for parks. I'm looking mm-hmm. for stairs I can sprint. And, and right. through doing this, it's given me a really, really interesting experience every time I run in a city. Like I ran in Prague and I was doing stair sprints on the Charles Bridge, which is a really famous oh, that's cool. tourist mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. I did it in Paris. Um, and I was uh, I ran into the original parkour guys that were training on a staircase. We did sprints together just randomly. Nice. It just seems 
it seems if you get out and you you experience a city and, and I use training as my method to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it beats sitting in a backstage rotting any day. Or, or right. even a hotel. Or, hotel, you know, yeah, watching watching Law and Order reruns all night. <laughs> I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little weird about hitting gyms. I'll do it if I have to. The reason yeah. being is that I can train hard on tour, but I can't control my nutrition and I can't control my rest. Right, right. Mm. So I make it a point to stay inside my comfort zone a little bit. Mm. Right. You know, and, and when I'm home, if I have an extended period of home, then I'll design a program for myself over the long haul. Like right now, I'm pretty much home until late June. Like I've got a, I think I'm going to go to South America. We've got shows in South America in April, a couple of the punk rock bowlings, the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, Pennywise in one day, you know, so I'm home. So I get the opportunity. And when, and when you tour, it's two weeks at a time, right? You're not yeah, going for eight weeks, nine weeks. Yeah. Two weeks at a time, home for two weeks, two weeks at a time, home for three weeks. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it kind of gets in the way of, of having a committed physical practice. You know, you, you can't really build a lot of momentum. Like I, I love oh, yeah. to listen to you guys. Mm-hmm. I started doing the Cohen Philippi deadlift program. Yeah. yeah. And it's 10 weeks in length. <laughs> I was averaging every four weeks. I'd have to, you know, go on tour, I'd come back, grip shot to shit. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it's amazing. Yeah. When I when I was traveling a lot, teaching courses, and I wasn't traveling anywhere near as much as you guys. But just going somewhere for two weeks and coming back, you're totally out of your element. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just it, it would take a couple of weeks just to get back to where you were before you left, and then it's time to go somewhere again. Dude, I, so you're I, constantly I have, on that on that wheel, just trying to maintenance. Yeah, I have yeah. to do a ramp up workout for sure. Like. Whatever, yeah. like like last week, I, I I came back last week, so I'm finally over the jet lag, thank God. And I did, I did a ramp up week. I did I did uh, what would have been before I left work set work sets of squats. Mm-hmm. Woke up the day after, puked my guts. I had a hangover and hadn't <laughs> drank a drop. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. kind yeah. of as you get older, you kind of have to give yourself time to to work back into things. Like I truly <laughs> believe that it is possible for someone past forty to be in the best shape of their life. Oh, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Especially if they weren't like a high school star athlete. No, I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm there right now to a large extent. My, my deadlift is better than it's ever been. You know, my, my conditioning is really good. My squat is better than it's ever been. So, yeah, yeah no doubt. Same here. Yeah, it's like you're saying, Adam. It's like, you know, you, you didn't really hit that peak, you know, like, you know, in your early years, like, That's you know, right. a high school That's athlete right. or whatever. And so one thing about it, we kind of have this. You know, we're we're kind of in that stage where okay, we may be hitting that peak, or we're probably just right on that precipice. Like, dude, you haven't even really hit it just yeah, yet. Yeah, that untapped because we, reservoir. Exactly, yeah, because we have a lot more longevity now because we haven't pretty much fried our mainframe at an early age yeah, at this point right. and gone through injuries and overtraining consistently for years and years and years. Unlike a lot of these pro athletes and all that's just like, dude, they're a hot mess when they're done, you know, or or they're just relieved when they're done. I mean, it looks like Shaq looks like he's happy he's done. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully we know our bodies and we've made all our mistakes already, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're well, you know, like recovery and restoration just becomes much more paramount. Like, you know, I get a I get a good <clears throat> massage once a week. And I even started doing that there's these foot massage places in town yeah, so we're now we're talking about. And I'll, I'll I'll even add that in once a week. So yeah. the, 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 a lot of people hear foot massage, they think you're just getting your feet massaged, but they work your back, your shoulders, and all that. Those head and, no, and no, guys, it's not a rub and tub place. Yeah, yeah tomorrow, when I say head massage, I mean no, really. The ones I go to aren't. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's a real head massage. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but like, no. <laughs> of course, it is, guys. Of course. 
else it is. But that's only like 20 bucks, 20, 30 bucks. It's yeah, nothing. 20. So someone who's on a budget is like, well, I can't afford to get a real massage once a week. Okay, we'll get that one once a week. Yeah, and a lot of them will do full body. Yeah, a lot of them will do full body. So you end up getting a full body massage. But the thing is, you, they have terminology. So you can't ever say you want the full massage, whatever, because then they're going to charge like maybe like 50 bucks, something like that. But you say you're coming in for the foot massage and the head massage, whatever. Then as, you know, it's kind of like a, a little dessert afterwards, just like, you know, they'll give you the full body. Now you'll be in your clothes. It won't be like the regular massage that you would normally go get. But yeah. hell, man, those little ladies, those little 75, 80 pound ladies get on you, man. They, they get in there, especially if you really <laughs> like sports massages and things like that. So it's, it's something to be said when a little woman just hops up on your back and she's like driving her elbows into your muscle. And you're like, oh, wow, that feels great. Whereas my other masseuse, I can't see her doing that. I don't want her doing that. You know, there's a difference between 85 pounds and 125 pounds. There's a big difference. <laughs> on I will, I will <laughs> so. say the sports massage I get is extremely beneficial though it's, oh, yeah. it's, nothing takes the place of that because it's personalized the way i always describe it is she's fixing the problems i created that yep. week yeah <laughs> so instead of just waiting for problems to accumulate until they become injuries i'm staying ahead of it it's like car maintenance right like i'm yeah. checking my car i'm checking my tires i'm checking <laughs> the oil checking all the fluids making sure everything's good to go rather than waiting for things to to break and fall apart and then try to do something about it yeah. That, that, that's exactly how I look at my training with the touring. When, when I'm between tours, I'm trying to essentially keep my car running. Right. Yeah. right. You know, at, I certainly am not trying to soup it up. I'm not putting fancy rims on it. I'm just trying to keep it moving. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it strong. Trying to keep my my vehicle that I travel through this universe in in the best possible functional shape. And then when I have yeah. a break, then I'm like, dude, I want to get jacked. Right. Yeah. I want to lift right. heavy things. You know, right. I want to. Yeah. One thing I think as I got older too is consistency becomes king. That's right. Oh yeah. And, and you can't you can't do a long layoff and then no, do a long layoff. You're not going to just lose as much as you did when you were younger and did a layoff. You're going to you're going to yeah. lose a ton. You're going to actually feel like you haven't lifted lifted since you were younger. <laughs> just like, like like what the hell happened, man? I mean, some I exercises in particular, it's amazing how much you lose just taking a few weeks dead, away from it. Damn deadlift. <laughs> deadlift, I mean, deadlift, I can hold. Deadlift actually is one of those exercises. I push it so hard that if I take a couple of weeks off, it's usually a good thing because my yeah, body yeah. fully recovers. Yeah, deadlift kettlebell snatch there's a few moves that i can take fairly long periods away from and not lose much but overhead pressing overhead pressing forget about it man that one i lose so much it's not even funny benching i'm back to square one if i take off right any kind of pressing falls into that some of the larger muscle groups not as much at least not personally yeah Yeah, so 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 consistency is key and then just being and then being intelligent you know and right right realizing that that I may see something really cool. I may see someone doing crazy flips, and I, I'm like, "Man, I want to do that." And then I'm like, "Dude, you're you're 43, and you're like, man. you know, know, know your role. You know, be, be strong, be healthy, be virile, be awesome. But you know, don't break yourself trying to do things. Yeah, you don't want to do something. And realize you're watching the end result of that. We don't know who, the training that led up to that that video, that 10 second video clip. Everybody gets excited about it, like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that." Like, yeah, but I don't think yeah. they did that 10 seconds before that is when they first tried it. Okay, people, people try to get into things too quickly. because you know, yeah, it looks cool. They see a new move and they want to master that the first time they try it. They go, no, right. let's take your time with it. Yeah, you know, the four steps. There's this one motion that Nick Curzon has people do. It's just two to five pound weights called crossovers on a on a Swiss ball. When you watch someone like Rafael Dos Anjos do it, it's it's very fluid and fast. You're like, man, that looks cool. 
you know, when I'm doing it, it's it's very rigid and <laughs> stiff because I'm not used to that motion. Right. Instead of trying to speed it up and get sloppy, I'm, his advice on his video is like, look, just go at your own pace. Don't worry about being really fast. Just get used to the motion, and then you can speed it up as you go along. But I can just see someone watching that clip, and then the first time they try it, just trying to <laughs> flip away like, like, <laughs> like there's no tomorrow, and that's just not going to work. There's right. a learning curve to, to physical skill for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like your mind is not ready for it. Hell, that's the real thing. It's like your hell, mind has to get ready for whatever the physical activity is. Hell, look at walking. That's why you crawl before that happens, okay? Hell, so th- that, that was a – this is something I hear a lot with people when, when I tell them that I'm a musician. I hear this all the time, like, oh, I don't have any musical talent. <laughs> and, and I always tell yeah, them, like, so you're you just born with it. Right decision <laughs> yet. You don't, you, your fingers haven't been conditioned enough to move right. as they need to to make music. Like, it's a physical thing. You have to learn to move your fingers correctly. And, and once your fingers move freely, maybe you're talentless, but I've never met anyone who, once their fingers got moving, couldn't make something that sounded like music. Right, right, right. It's, exactly- yeah, it's, it's like someone says, people say the same thing about strength training too. Like, oh, I'm just naturally weak. It's like, yeah, we all are. We start <laughs> yeah. training. How about you I mean, shit. I mean, you have these you have these outliers like Mike Tyson. The first time he ever tried bench pressing, he did 250 for reps. But they, that's an outlier. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. what happens. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Pe- people, are, I think, expect a lot out of the gate, you know, and, and you yeah. have to be prepared to think. Of- or, or they expect results in this ridiculously short amount of time. They've been 100 pounds overweight for 20 years, and they, they just started working out, and, and they're they're disappointed that they only lost 10 pounds in two weeks. It's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You were going to lose all 100, you know, yeah. in those two weeks? I mean, come on. When it comes to your body, you are quite literally going to be traveling in it for the rest of your life. Yeah, you didn't gain yeah. 100 pounds in two weeks. Why would you lose 200, yeah. 100 pounds? You, you have plenty of time. To, to fix it and improve it, but you have to give it time. That's right. You have to enjoy mm. the process. In the that's process, yeah. You want to find training that's enjoyable. Like people think that that those of us who work out hard are just mentally tough. In that we don't like it, we just force ourselves to do it. And, and that's nah. not at least that's not the case for me. Mm. I, I actually nah. like all these workouts. Yeah, you have to be mentally tough to push it, and you don't necessarily like to do it every single time. But overall, I, I enjoy going to the gym. I enjoy lifting heavy weights. I look forward to it. For, for me, it's a performance enhancer. Like if, if I exercise, everything else I do, I do better. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. No, no doubt about it. I'm exactly. a better husband. I'm a better speaker. Yeah. I'm a better bass player. I'm a better friend. Everything I yeah. do is elevated by this one area of my life that I pretty much have absolute control over. Exactly. No, no I'd have to go get a prescription for that, you know, and and get hooked on it, and then I can't function. You know, I got to figure out the right dosage or anything like that. I can avoid a lot of that, and I'm taking away from people. Calmer, you're more, you're you're, yeah. you're more fun to be around because you don't have all that nervous energy. Like sometimes when you yeah. see people just like lose their mind <laughs> over silly stuff, right? Like these like enraged drivers. You're like Jesus, man! You're getting that mad over this? Yeah, because all because all that's been suppressed. They've been holding all that in. Yeah, there's no outlet to let you know. They haven't chosen an outlet to get rid of that stuff. They internalize it. It it, it's like (laughs) I I I have dogs, right? I would never think of a day going by where I didn't give my dogs a good amount of exercise. Oh yeah, yeah. And I constantly look at people, and I'm like, like, why aren't you taking the same approach to yourself? Right. You know, right. you, we're, we're physical creatures, regard, you know, regardless of spiritual beliefs aside, like we still right. have a physical body that's our vehicle. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and you need to drive that thing. <laughs> yeah. You need to take it off road. You need to, you need to ramp it up to full speed and see what it can do. And you'll be a better person because of it, because it's part of what you're designed to do. 
Yeah, it's always empowering, right? Like yesterday, like I said, it was cold here. I was like, ah, I don't know if I should do these sprints. I was like, ah, fuck it, let's go do it. It's cold, it's windy, you suck it up, you do it. You feel better on multiple fronts afterwards. You feel better yeah. because you broke through a mental barrier. Yeah. You feel better because you actually did the exercise, which is always a, a mood booster, sprinting, getting fresh air, sunshine, etc. So on, on multiple fronts, it's empowering. I never feel worse after those workouts. No, that's what I was like. Saying. Like I'll, I'll take this. I'll take the classic commercial from Twenty Four Hour Fitness. I'll give them this much when they ever when they had a commercial and said, "No one ever felt bad. No one ever said I wish I hadn't worked out today." Yeah, right. right. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know. are you guys aware that Planet Fitness have banned deadlifting? Yeah, no, <laughs> they've been a lot never, of things. I've never even heard of Planet Fitness. <laughs> yeah, someone, yeah, it's the most hilarious thing, man. There, you, you can't no, even make of, like a lot of gyms do that though. That's not uncommon. They ban deadlifting. They don't like any noise, or they, or they call it clunking, which they is funny. Well, it's like Lifetime. They have deadlift platforms, but you're not allowed to use chalk. It's like, well, you know. That's, so basically, that's, you're not allowed that's, to get stronger. It's like going to a hooker, but you're not allowed to have sex with her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. So you can have sex with her, but you can't take her panties off. All, all men should be deadlifting. Right. So, I mean, de- you have all these deadlifting platforms. And who deadlifts heavy without using chalk? I don't. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even get past your warm up weights without some chalk on. You're going to lose. So, I mean, just, just silly things like that. The gym I go to is a just a, a small, low-key gym around the corner from my house, and they don't necessarily like it when I do deadlifts there, but they tolerate it, you know, <laughs> because, because they're just being cool about it. But a lot of gyms, they just don't allow it at all, yeah. which is ridiculous. Well, they're, and they also think about the liability. If somebody hurts their back, they're going to sue us. Like, it's not your fault. They sucked, and they need they need instruction. Okay, Some, so someone can hurt themselves on a treadmill, you know. Yeah, exactly. People often do. Yeah, you can hurt yourself, you can hurt yourself <laughs> curling in a squat rack. You know, if you're not doing it right, you're swinging back and forth trying to get a weight that's well, way I mean, too heavy to curl. The, the things they don't like is they don't want to intimidate potential members. Oh, that's another thing. That's yeah, the, the main reason why because they don't want someone coming in who's tentative about joining, and then there's some guy doing heavy deadlifts where you're making this loud thump every time you put the bar down. <laughs> At the same time, sometimes when you see people deadlifting, their technique is so bad, and they're they're just basically dropping the bar after each rep, no control. Right. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, yeah, that shouldn't be allowed. It's a shitty ass technique. <laughs> like, there was a guy at the gym who had like two twenty five on the board. He was making so much noise in between each rep. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You have no control at all over such a light amount of weight. It's like if I can put five plates down under control. I'm not saying I, I do a slow negative, but I can put it on, I can put it down under control where it's not just a drop. Right. Then someone using a third of that weight should have no problem, or half that weight should have no problem. So on, on some uh, uh, elements, I get both sides. But what gym should have is a, a platforms to protect their floor, and then just teach proper technique. Like if you want to do deadlifts, fine, but you need to show that you actually know what you're doing. Bumper plates, yeah. useful chalk, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot, yeah, a lot of gyms are joking. But you know, on on the road, I've always found that sprinting is my go-to training. Yeah, you can do it anywhere. You can do it in the hallway of a hotel if you want yeah, exactly. to. You know? And then you got exactly. stairs you can go hit right you know, at the same time. Like I'm not so. worried about lifting weights or doing what I normally do at home on the road. I, I do my sprinting. Even on vacations, I was like, all right, let me just carve out some time where I can get up, bang out 10 sprints on the beach or at a field. Yeah. It just feels yeah, I good. Start, I started sprinting recently. It was it was pretty shocking how beat up it, it made me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. It's and dumb. then I, I started to, to try and run. I, I, I found like a 5K track right by the beach. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. I, and I figured, you know, 5K, any further than that, I'm going to call an Uber. But I can run a 5K. <laughs> i got to say, man, it's, 
it's harder than harder than I thought. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like to really have a to keep a good clip. So so kind of one of, on my to do list is to get a decent five k time. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's a, a decent distance. It, it's it's not going to crush me, but I was really surprised by how even something you take for granted, like running and sprinting, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. If you don't do it, you can't fucking do it. That's right. That's exactly where I was going to go. It's like, I don't care what else you're doing. If you're not doing the actual specific exercise, you're, there's, there's going to be limited carryover, if any. Yeah, I was really shocked because, you know, I'll do circuit training. And even, even like I was doing sprints before I started trying to run 5K. And I was like, man, 5K is in some ways harder than sprints. Yeah. Just because I'm not used to it, I don't know how to breathe. Well, yeah, you, you have to keep. Yeah, exactly. You have to yeah. keep that sustained pace, that cadence. You can't just try to get it over with as quickly as possible. No, no. Yeah. It's, Come on, it's yeah. Pretty, pretty challenging, and a great way to learn your body. You know, learn what that feels like. Well, that, that's what that's what's cool about running in general. Is that it, when you first start running, you're kind of in that panic state where you're like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this." And then Sincere always talks about mm. the, the importance of. Your breathing and pacing and so forth, and that's what calms you down. And once you get into that calm state, then you can keep going indefinitely. There's definitely yeah. definitely a nice high that you get from running too. Oh I no mean, doubt. Oh yeah. It def- it's definitely something that that you know is is the reward for the work. Look, man, it's it's part it's it's in our blueprint because that's how we made it this far up the yes, food chain. <laughs> okay, so right, right. it's something we had to do. You know, now it's a choice for most people, but the thing is, it's, it's in you. Some people are like, I can never run. Like, yeah, you, trust me, with the right conditions, your ass will run. Okay, yeah. you will find a way. Yeah, you, you, may, you may be in a situation in life whether you have to run whether you like it or not. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, I mean, running let... is functional because you never know when you're going to have to run towards something or away from oh, something. Away from something. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny, I was just on tour and, and uh, there was a swimming pool in the hotel, right? And yeah. I was like, I'm, you know, fuck it, swim. I can swim, I can swim. My God, I, it was one of the hardest workouts I've, I've done in a long time. Oh, man, you're, if you haven't done it in a while, your arms are yeah. fried when it's over, man. And you look at your abs like, why do I feel like I, I – okay, there is a six-pack in there. <laughs> but I, I live one mile from the Pacific Ocean in a state where a giant earthquake is at some point going to hit and will yeah. create tsunami. Maybe I should think about getting better at swimming. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a, a self-defense life skill I should I should try and master. It was, it's or, a, yeah. or you could just move out of there. <laughs> I, I love California. What can I say? I mean. Vegas might be become the new Western Seaboard at some point. So just staying ahead of the curve. You know? I'm about to have oh, yeah. from property in no time. <laughs> well, well, listen, guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, pleasure, man. Thanks for spending Great, so much man. time with us. Great um, talking to you. I Look- absolutely love the show. I listen to it pretty much every episode. So. Thank you, man. Thank Appreciate you for the support. It. And we're looking, we're looking forward to seeing H2O in Vegas in May. Yeah, I believe uh, 28th. Yeah, that's right. It's a Sunday, I believe. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to be there. I look forward to meeting you and hanging out with you guys. And uh, where, where, where can people find out more about the new record and tour um, dates? Well, um, for me, you can just look at Adam Blake 007 That's me on Instagram and Twitter. For H2O, we have an H2O Facebook that shamefully I don't know the URL for, but if you search H2O <laughs> and Facebook, you will find it. Yeah, Dr. Google should get you there. Yeah, yeah he can help. So I would uh, check us out. Come see us live. It's the best way to learn about our band. You know, fun, fun. Looks like looks like a fun environment. So I'm, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good time, man. You know, hopefully we keep the goons out and the good people in. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Adam. Thanks right, so. Man. Thanks a lot, buddy. Great to meet you. Bye bye. You have a great one. Take care. 
And they, again, is our friend Adam Blake. Check out H2O. Check out the new record, Use Your Voice. Some of you are saying, oh, Mike, you're, you're recommending this music. It's just not melodic enough for me. It's like, well, this will be melodic enough for you. It's, <laughs> it's hardcore, but the vocals are very melodic. And you'll, you'll like it, so check it out. Perfect. And you can also do something else. You can check us out by going to MikeMahler.com, NewWarriorTraining.com, using that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off the best nutrition products around. You know, you're tired of your wife trying to motorboat you every night. Get on that EC. <laughs> Get rid of those BTs. <laughs> you got the BTs, man. Like I'm not feeling too good today. So like, well, I wouldn't feel good either if I had BTs. Like, oh, <laughs> Look, man, last week was the three-dimensional. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm coming up. I'm, I'm coming up with a new phrase every week. The phrase of the week, Mahler's phrase of the week. <laughs> like three dimensional, <laughs> three dimensional camel toes, male. That's like uh, MBTs. Male, MBTs. Yeah. <laughs> like man, I like to motorboat my wife so much. Maybe she'll want to motorboat me. It's like no, nah, I don't think so. She doesn't even like it when you do it, buddy. Right? This is something she tolerates. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, man. So, yeah, check out both websites. Use that coupon code LLA. And also hop over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. Start off five bucks, ten bucks. We take it all, man. And that'll help us keep the show going and growing. Last but not least, head over to iTunes or Stitcher. Leave a review. Let's get those reviews up, folks. And, you know, for all our VIPs out there, add that as well to your list. And also so keep want, sharing on social media. I want every listener to share an episode with one person. If every yeah. single one of our listeners said, man, this episode is great, you just told one other fucking person about it, that would be huge for us. Yeah. So, yeah. So that'll do it for this week, folks. Until next week, take care, everybody. Take care.